What's up, y'all? Before we get started with this week's episode, me and Xavier just want to take a moment to point out that this is the 50th episode for the Millionaire Mindsets podcast. We just wanted to let you all know that we really appreciate all the support and the love we've been getting for the show these last few months. And just to piggyback on what Deanna just said, the show's only been going on for nine months. And to see all the growth that's happened over these nine months, I just want to say again that we definitely appreciate the support and love. And this is only the beginning. We're going to keep the the good episodes come and keep linking up with dope individuals to give you guys good information that you could apply to your life. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, if you are interested in learning more about real estate investing, you could book a consultation with me and Xavier at www.parkhillconsultantservices.com. And don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, comment, do all that good stuff for this week's show. And again, we appreciate all the support and love. Don't forget to follow the Millionaire Mindset's Instagram account and Twitter account. Yep, yep. And that's pretty much all we got for y'all. We hope y'all enjoyed this this 50th episode. We got much more coming, like we said. Thanks. On the way to the top floor. I ain't selling out though, but I'm on the way. Got a lot of room as the motivate. Hold all the moves, I'm a plenty play. On the way. Motivation for all the real ones, nigga. On the way. On the way. The big check, you ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way. You ain't take risks, cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. On the way. What's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. My name is Deanna Kent. I'm with my host. Xavier, what's up? What's up? <laughs> and um today we got another special guest on the show. His name is Doe Dubes. He's an author, stockbroker, soap developer. Co-top president and an entrepreneur. Welcome oh. to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And um, I, I, I'm not necessarily a stockbroker. I'm a sockbroker. Sock, sock, sock. Yeah, 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 yeah sockbroker. Yeah. We gonna get into that too. Yeah, now it's all good. It's all good. I just don't want people to like hit me up like, yo, what are your fees? Like, I'm, yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> what's gonna happen. So, yeah, definitely. That's exactly what's gonna happen too. People's gonna be like, yo, so uh, give me some tips. What's that? <laughs> that's how I go, bro. For real. But uh, the first question we always ask our guests is just, so what was the start to, like, all the things you're doing? Like, just give us a little background on yourself. Um, So I started seriously wealth building in, like, uh, late 2015, uh, early 2016. Um, At the time, I was a janitor at my daughter's school, you feel me? And um, I was following my guy who was, you know, my man's in Hotep as well. We co-created Hotep, my man um, Ali. Uh, Hotep Jesus, um, he tweeted about a stock, uh, AMD. And um, he was like, you know, buy, buy, you know, just buy shares or look at AMD or whatever. And it literally just that one tweet um, took me down a rabbit hole of wealth building or uh, investing in stocks. So what I did was I opened up my first brokerage account um, with my last paycheck. I didn't know it was my last paycheck. <laughs> my last paycheck as a janitor. And um, I immediately just jumped head first. That wasn't really much my, my method in a lot of things. Just jumping head first, not trying to do a whole bunch of research before I take action. Um, and then, you know, from there, um, a few months earlier, uh, my wife and I, we opened up Lowlando, um, which was uh, the organic, the premier provider of organic and all natural personal care goods, mm. soap, scrubs, oils. And it's for men, women, babies, and pets. We got pet, pet, uh, me, pet shampoo as well. Um, so, you know, the business was bubbling. We was getting a lot of good business and stuff like that. And I wanted to make sure that I kept my money. 
you know, I wanted to make sure that I kept building on my money as, as, as opposed to just, you know, making it and spending it. So after opening up the brokerage account, <laughs> I got, uh, I got, I'm not going to say swindled, but I got hyped and got caught up in a pump and dump. Mm. And uh, what that is, is basically, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, in, uh, investors or marketers, they get, you know, suckers like me at the time uh, to buy into worthless stocks. And because of the volatility, the share price shoots up and you may, you know, see some profits. But a lot of the time they convince you to keep holding, keep holding. And all the while they're selling. So they're taking their profits while telling you to hold. They're telling you, you know, it's a great long term investment or short term investment and stuff like that. So I lost pretty much all of that money (laughs) within like a month's time. So from there, I was like, okay, let me do some more research. And um, so now. Uh, well, not now, but then I started just doing more research and started learning more. And then I started putting my money into more solid things, you know, mm-hmm. ETFs, index funds, things of that nature that actually was gra- uh, gradually growing and um, meeting new people as well. So when I was uh, posting up what I was doing and getting retweeted, there will be other people who are already investors, who are already traders, who are already into wealth building. So they was giving me a lot of gems. They was, you know, sending me resources that I was reading up on and things of that nature. Um, and then through that, I, you know, I started paying off debts. I started, you know, seeing a lot more money. I started being a lot more attentive with my buying and spending and all of that other stuff. And, you know, I look back and I'm like, wow, like, you know, it hasn't been that long, but right. so much has happened. Mm. So much has happened. My financial situation has gotten so much better because, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I'm not ashamed to say it. And I was slumming it out here, B. Like, I was mm. scraping together chains to buy brews with the homies and all of that. Like, it was bad for me financially at one point. Mm. But all I did was, you know, apply discipline, created new income streams, and started using that money to build wealth. You know what I'm saying? So, And that's what got me on the Millionaire Mindsets podcast, <laughs> you know, four years later. You feel me? Man, that's so fire, bro. Like, like. And- I think it's so dope because a lot of times, like I'll talk to people and they be like, they be like, they they don't see they don't see a way out their situation because they feel like they at the at the bottom. They like, man, I can't do this. I'm at the at the ground level. But I'm like, yo, we all, especially in the black community, most of us we start from the bottom without having nothing. So I'm like, it's definitely possible. And for you, for like to make that switch, like you saying, you was pretty much at the bottom, like. I'm pretty sure you would agree where it started mentally where that change happened. And then, you know what I'm saying, the other changes came in the fruition of money and all all that good stuff, right? That's a fact, man. <laughs> I tell everybody, like, in my emails, and my books, everything, um, everything starts in the mind. Mm-hmm. Your, your reality is created in your mind. And it's, it's become cliche to some people. You know, people, you know, I tell people all the time, like, you know, you got to change your mindset. And they be like, oh, man, no right. matter if I'm thinking positive thoughts, Oh, no matter if I'm thinking negative thoughts, I'm still gonna be broken. I'm like, yo, fam, that is exactly why you broke right now. You know what I'm <laughs> like, like way of thinking to where you say you basically giving your power away. Thanks. So when when it really hit me, it um I was, you know, I was fumbling bags here and there, or I was getting bags and then fumbling and all of that other stuff. And I was just like, yo, why is it that I can't keep money? And every single time it was bad mindset. It was a scarcity mindset. So as soon as I got a bag, I would spend it because I didn't believe I was going to get it again. 
you know, as soon as I got money I, or I looked at my bills, I was stressing and that stress trans, uh, transitioned to me acting mm. weary or having a bad attitude towards life and stuff like that. When I was only focusing on a problem, I was depressed. I was, you know, I was angry all of the time. You know, I wasn't really connecting with my, my family and friends the way I wanted, that I needed to and stuff like that. Mm. And my life, life was miserable. The minute I just changed and was like, listen, Doing the affirmations, you know, a lot. That's another thing that people don't like to do. But I love my affirmations. I say my affirmations all of the time. Working out too. Right. See, a lot of people don't understand that your physicality is affected by your mental state too. And the best way to do that is start lifting weights, start being active, get some cardio. You know, really put your body to the test every time. And I, when I was going through a cleanse, and I had you know stop smoking and stop doing all of that stuff. And I was going through withdrawal. I could keep it 100. And I'm telling you, son, every time that I woke up with an attitude and went to the gym, 10 minutes in, fam, 10 minutes into the gym, I, I immediately started feeling better. Mm-hmm. My mood changed. The way I thought about the day changed. So I tell people all of the time, you got to anchor your mind. You have to be able to take control of your mind again. I, I truly believe people who have perpetual negative thoughts are not in, really in control of their mind. They're not really. And if they're not in control of their mind, they're not in control of their life. You know, that's where the impulse spending, the impulse eating and, you know, all of that stuff comes into. And then before you know it, you broke it overweight, you know. <laughs> so Damn. this is what happens. Once you can take control of your mind, you can take control of your life. man. So you're right about that. Everything starts in the mind, man. Everything. Mm, that's, yeah. that's dope. I really like that you said you brought up affirmations and stuff like that, because it's simple changes you can make in your daily life. As far as saying affirmations, meditating, practicing yoga that can really change your life. And people really be having a hard time believing those simple changes like that is where it all begins. It doesn't have to be so complicated to, you know, making that change. It's really not. It's really not. And like I said, I think it falls under that that realm or category of cliche. Like, it, it, it could never be that easy. You're telling me just saying a few sentences every morning, every afternoon and night is going to change my life? Yes, I'm telling you that. You know, my wife and I, we go to sleep to affirmations on our TV. Like, we'll cast it from YouTube, mm-hmm. and it'll be a 10-hour video of just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, affirmations. You know, I'm receiving money now with ease and grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, the universe is conspiring to make me wealthy. Uh, I'm excited to be making money. Uh, I choose to enjoy accepting money. I'm taking financially rewarding opportunities. I even start, like, I created my own affirmation. And I used to tweet it every day. I, I'm gonna start doing it again. But it's today is a great day to be financially free, B. Like I say that. You know what I mean? Like every day I say that. And that's why it's my header and all of that. Like these things do help. You know, meditating is extremely important. You know, a lot of people don't they deal with clutter. They they deal with an overbogged down mind. And if you would if you would uh incorporate you know, booze and weed and all of those other mind-numbing things to, to escape your reality. You're dealing with a bunch of fog. But once you start just meditating and clearing your mind and being like, okay, just take dedicate the next 10 minutes to total silence or dedicating the next 10 minutes with intentional thinking. Like, okay, I'm going through something right now. You know, I'm, I'm low on bills or I'm low on bread or, you know, I'm high in bills. What? Just focus on the solution. Or just clear your mind completely for that, just for that moment. So you can purge all of those those nasty thoughts or purge all of those negative thoughts. And it, it'll really catapult you into uh, more of a snowball to where you just like solutions to start coming to you over and over. Like, oh, wow, I can't believe I didn't think of it. And the reason why people have those epiphanies like that is because their mind was so bogged down 
and so fogged up with negative thoughts that they they literally could not think of a way out. Mm. I thought my way out of all of this stuff. Mm. And then once I thought it through, uh, I, I applied action to it. And, and you know, now we hit. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, like the real talk. That's like the dopest shit about life to me is that any situation you could literally think yourself out of it. Like I tweeted about that like a couple months ago. I'm like, that's the dope. Like if you broke or poor, whatever it is, you just could think your way out of that situation. Cause that's that's what I did. Like, yo, real talk. <laughs> real talk. I tell people that too. Like yo, if you low on bread, you should have all of the information. If you want, right. if you like, you know, I know real estate is real big for y'all. Like that's mm-hmm. like huge. And a lot of people, you know, if you're not going to get into the wholesaling and all that other stuff, if you wanted to have like, that five figures or you, and you don't have it, you should be reading up and, and getting as much knowledge as possible. Right. That's so if, when the time, when the time comes and you do have the bag to invest in real estate, you know exactly what to, what do. to do. You start yeah. meeting people, you know what I'm saying? You start becoming assets to other people, like just helping. You know, a lot of people get in these industries and a lot of people b- get big bags just by being an assistant, be- being of assistance to other people who already may have. It. So when it comes down to like looking out for that next person, like, oh, yo, Xavier, he, you know, he helped me organize this or he helped me see something that was totally outside of business, like affirmations or like, mm-hmm. you know, just living a healthier lifestyle. Let me look out for him. Let me, you know, have him be the next one that I help out. Uh, or whenever I get a chance to. So you and when you're in the position of having low cheese, you should have high information. High you should be abundant in information. And so and if you're on the opposite opposite side where you have a bunch of uh um uh, money and you don't have uh any know how, you get with the people who have the know how and then y'all work together and then y'all can get the bag together. So that that's what I always tell people. If you don't have it right now, just learn it and live it as if you do have it and I'm telling you it's gonna come to you. Because Facts. that information is valuable, man. Facts. That's the realest shit in the world. Like, I, I always tell people that because people always ask me. They be like, yo, I ain't got no money. Like, how can I start? Like, how can I start the real estate? Well, how can I start at this? And I always be like, to be honest, bro, the best start for you right now, if you ain't got nothing, is just to be learning everything. You got the time to do it. Mm-hmm. So you should be learning and researching as much as possible as possible going out the information so by the time and saving up your bread so by the time you do get ready to fuck with real estate you got a decent amount of knowledge and you got a decent amount of money so that those two things alone diminishes most of the fear you probably already had going into it because you're like oh i got some bread that you know what i'm saying that could that could that could pick me up if i if i fall on this and i got the information so it's like i know what to do so i definitely agree a thousand percent with what you just said for real bro and uh sure. Definitely. And, uh, like, another thing I want to uh, talk about is, because, uh, like, you always talk about wealth building and stuff like that. And I feel like we had a time right now where I feel like this is new for a lot of us because, like, in the past, especially in the black community, the conversation wasn't about economics like that. It was just about being included. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, us just, like, asking and asking, you know what I'm saying? Asking to be equal, asking us to asking them to let us in today, you know, environments, mm-hmm. establishments, whatever. But now, a lot of conversation is about ownership, getting our own fucking, you know what I'm saying, establishment. You know what I'm saying? We can sure. You know, and, and, you, and you, one of the people that definitely talk about this, so I want you to just uh, dive into that a little bit more. Yeah, and, it's, and that's the reason why I bring up 2015, 2014, and, and, and that era uh, for a few reasons. Um, for the first, uh, first 
this is the first time we've had uh, integration between social media, news media, and injustice at the same time. When Trayvon was murdered, um, they broadcasted on CNN the trial of George Zimmerman. And I still, I'm still on record and saying that was honestly the trial of Trayvon and not really George. Mm. Then um, Mike Brown was murdered. So you had um, the Ferguson movement, which, you know, turned into the, uh, well, which was co-opted by um, the Black Lives Matter movement. And what it did was it took trending topics and turned it into, you know, social justice. And it had the community, especially the younger um, generation, more so focused on uh, what was wrong with the community, racism, white supremacy, and, and all of that. And at the same time that that was happening, I got swept up in it in the very beginning. You know, mm-hmm. I was very like, hate whitey, you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> white supremacy is ruining our lives and all that. I was real heavy into that in the beginning. But somebody like me naturally looks for solutions. That's why when all this took, that's why it only took a tweet about AMD, a random company, for me to jump into stock. So when I saw all of the, you know, problems going on, I understood like there has to be a solution to this. So what it did, the first solutions that I saw were economic solutions. Mm-hmm. There were social economic solutions by the likes of Dr. Claude Anderson. Mm. I'm not sure if you're um, familiar, yeah, but power I'm pretty sure you are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so Powernomics, it opened my eyes. I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. this is it. Like, this is like, this is, I stopped. Like, I literally read that, watched his lectures, got in tune with others like Boyce Watkins and, and, and you know, even at the time, Umar Johnson and mm-hmm. all of that, they were speaking on economics more than anything else. They wasn't talking about, uh, you know, they were talking about white supremacy, but they were, they always rooted it in economics. The fact that we wouldn't have to worry about this this uh, oppressive system if we created our own. That was the biggest thing. The biggest takeaway was create your own. Create your own grocery stores. Create your own hospitals. Create your own schools. Create your own everything. So that way, you don't have to go begging to anybody else for your salvation. Because one, pe- one thing people don't understand is that if you are relying on the next man for your solutions, you are putting your life in that person's right. hands. So if you look at that on, a, on a, a macro level, if one community is vying for the appeal or the, for the help of another community, that community will always have supremacy over you. When you're relying on, and we're just talking racial here, but when you're relying on white teachers to teach black children, where you're relying on white infrastructure to cater to black populations, you're always going to be second fiddle. Because at the end of the day, just naturally, I mean, this goes down to babies. A baby is less comfortable with a person of another race than it is their race. That's just a fact, like with babies. And if you want to say babies are racist, you know what I'm saying? Then I don't know what to tell you. Right. So naturally, we're, we um, would work better if we look towards each other. So I created a book. My, I wrote a book myself, Black America, Inc., A Trillion Dollar Nation. And that book was literally the blueprint of rebuilding our nation to where from every sector, from education to entertainment, from science and technologies to textile manufacturing and the clothing industry, we create these economic ecosystems to where we can employ ourselves. We can um, build ourselves up. And, and the thing is, this isn't new. 
So when you say like it, you know, it's new, I understand what you mean, but it's mm. just really coming back. Right, right. Malcolm X said this, Marcus Garvey Facts. said this. Marcus, yeah. uh, you know, in, in the 1800s, they, I, I posted a, a thread where we were creating our and establishing our own towns, our own municipalities where we governed ourselves. So when we talking about creating our laws, and we did that. This is not anything new. And that was happening less than one generation after slavery. So mm. we're talking about the enslavement of our peoples for centuries. The minute they got out of bondage, it was like, yo, we need to create our own towns. We need to create our own barbershops. We need to do everything. So because it was so volatile back then for black people, they really had no choice. Right. So what happened was when integration happened, and I'm, about, I'm getting super like political <laughs> on, the, good. on the wealth front, but when integration happened, it, um, it allowed a lot of the grandchildren of these homesteaders, the grandchildren of all of these wealth builders to become more lax in their pursuit. Now, instead of shopping with Jerome at his department store, you can shop at Macy's. Instead of keeping your, your dollars inside of your community, it was said or thought to be that the white man's ice was colder. And we already know that ice is ice no matter where it's at. Mm-hmm. So they, because of they, because of the lack of struggle, and I know it sounds crazy when you're talking in 2019 times versus, you know, the, maybe the 1970s and stuff like that, because they're coming from a background where grandpa had it, where my, grandma had property, grandma and grandpa had land and all that other stuff. They took a lot of that for granted and they saw that, hey, it's much easier in our eyes instead of trying to, you know, keep maintaining properties just to live under this roof or go sit and drink at uh, this diner and drink milkshakes and all that other stuff. So it was much more imperative for black people to be more self-reliant and self-sufficient in those times because it was so volatile towards black people. And that's the reason why we're seeing it now, because the narrative in this uh, paradigm is that, you know, the big, bad conservatives and Republicans like Trump are so racist, they ain't going to help us out, da 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 So now you see a lot more people talking about wealth building, a lot more people talking about owning property, a lot more people talking about, you know, investing or all, all that other stuff because it calls for it. Sometimes, mm-hmm. as far as the black community is concerned, we got to have our backs against the wall a little bit to be able to really see that, yo, it's, nobody else is going to help me. Like, no other community is going to come out and help us. So, in the days of when welfare first hit, it's a lot of Democratic and Democrats that push this stuff, you know, and this right. is basically like little forms of socialism to where you have an entire generation of people being used to getting handouts. And not only that they get used to it, it's, it's coming in a form of something to where they believe that they deserve it or something that when they present it to you, it's something that you need and all this other stuff. So when it doesn't happen, you're shocked. You, you, you know, you're putting into a position like, damn, like, what I'm going to do when I don't get my food stamps? What I'm going to do if I don't get my SSI checks? What I'm going to do if I don't get all of this stuff that really was created to hinder you and to keep you into a certain level of poverty? Mm. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, comfort it is, is a sin sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, having that those uh, creature comforts kind of hinders you. But when you, you know, you down to your last and you know that nobody else is going to come, you ain't got no Section 8 coming and you don't got a $10 rent, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you have to get to the back. You so to. that's what we're seeing now. You know, you you got a lot, a, a lot of Republicans who, who are kind of shaking things up as far as the administration because they're telling you, hey, you got to go out and get it yourself. We're not really for the, the socialism. We're not really for the social programs, the social safety nets. You got to get it and secure it for yourself. So that's why I believe well, a piece of it is why we're seeing that. 
Mm, that's deep, man. Like, like, and I and I agree with what you said. I, I think even when like when when Trump first got elected, I remember telling people like like I know a lot of people probably gonna take this the wrong way, but I'm like I feel like this is gonna as far as mentally, this is gonna help black people because we gonna see like okay, ain't nobody coming to save us. We got we right. like you said we got to get out here and get it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like that's a that's a good mentality to have. I feel like like. I don't, and some, like I said, some people might disagree with this, but I feel like when Obama was in office, it made us comfortable. We went out here like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? We went out here thinking about, because we think like life is good. We got a black president. We ain't got to worry about we nothing. Made. We made it. But when we, <laughs> <laughs> for real. But yo, it's funny that you brought that up is because that's why you're seeing that paradigm shift so much because mm-hmm. just before this administration, we had the homie. Or the supposed or the perceived homie in office, and we let's be honest, shit got worse. You feel me? We, this is where we getting. This is the same administration that had the the Trayvon Martins and the Mike Browns and all that other stuff. And let it be known, if you come up in an area where you have tumultuous relationships with the police, aka the black community, you already know these people have been gunning down black people for a very long time. And if we're going off the statistics, it has been, this is the lowest it's ever been in Black American history. You, you know what I'm saying? This is uh, compared to times in the 80s, 70s, and even, you know, where the crack era was hitting. Like, it was booming. You feel me? Like, Snowfall gives a, a great debate. But, like, it's, that's not even close to right. how, you know, dangerous it was just to be out there as a regular civilian, as a drug dealer, as a drug smoker, you know, as an addict, and, you know, as a police officer. It was very dangerous. 30 years later, we're not dealing with as much how, and that's the reason why it's so sensationalized. You know, there's no big news in talking about, you know, how it wasn't any violence today. That's mm. the reason why you get headlines. That's the reason why you get viewers, because you want to shock in all of them. So all of this was happening during the administration that was supposed to come save us. Right. So it was so drastic that it didn't happen. You had so many things that went wrong. When the next one came around, not only are you worried of the last one, even though people was like, oh, I miss Obama, you know, third term and all the other stuff. But if we talking about the realities of the situation, <laughs> you're shocked. You know what I'm saying? You're shocked into that. And you have to, you really have to now. Because it's, you know, the, the the narrative as far as a lot of black Americans, not all of them, but it's, you know, Trump is a racist. And he's this and he's that. However, he did, you know, he is forging an, an administration that uh, that allows an environment for black Americans to build as much wealth as possible. Opportunity zones being one of the major mm. things about his administration that allows people like us to build more wealth and secure wealth for our children. Mm. You know, you don't have to like this administration. As a matter of fact, right. as a voter in America, you shouldn't have an affinity for a pol- for any politician like that because it gets in the way of holding them accountable to getting things done. And I told them that when, when Trump got first elected, I'm like, yo, it's good that you don't like him. It's good that you don't trust him because now you're not worried about him shooting a J or uh, dancing with Beyonce or none of that. You're not worried about that. You're only worried about the work. The president is a public servant. You can get into all the Illuminati stuff and at another time. He's a public servant mm-hmm. and you need to hold him accountable to make sure things get done on your community. In your community. And that's the reason why I go so hard about local government, because you can mm-hmm. actually walk inside their offices 20, 30, 50, 100, 1,000 deep and demand things. You can, you know, you look at other communities, this is what they do. That's why you don't really necessarily see politicians talking about certain communities. You know, you don't see them talking about, hey, what are you going to do uh, for the Asian community? You don't hear that. 
You know what I'm saying? It's because behind the scenes, the Asians have come together. And I'm not saying every single last Asian, but enough to represent their population. Okay. Goes to these local governments, goes to the national government and says, hey, we're, we're voting this way. You know, these are our demands. You know, what can you do for, for, for the community in exchange for these votes and, and donation dollars? They sit down with the politicians. They come out with a plan. They agree on that plan. They donate, campaign, da 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 The person gets elected. The, the, the blessings fall down in that community. These are the things that we give away for people holding hot sauce in their bag or saying something cool <laughs> on the microphone and stuff like that. Like, we need to hold them accountable like they're not friends. It's mm-hmm. business. It's you, business. Don't have, you know what I'm saying? This is even, for me, going even deeper with hiring people from our communities. Yo, when, when you off the clock, you cool. Come to the barbecue. But why you wearing that suit? What are you doing for at Ninth Street? You know what I'm saying? What are you doing for, you know, Virginia Street? Like, what are you doing for the community? Then we can go to the barbecue, but you got to go to work. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I believe this administration is helping uh, in that regard. But a lot of this stuff is just from us, you know, being grassrooted and, and wanting better for ourselves. Correct. And that's, and that's why I love this conversation so much, because I feel like it gives different insight, a different perspective, because there's so many of us, we just have this one train of thought and like i said before a lot of us don't even know know why we think the things we think we just program to think this drink that way but when you get challenged to your thought okay now you're thinking now you're thinking like okay why i really think like this because even like even this whole conversation it kind of it is it, like uh when you first but when you first become what they call woke or whatever it's like a, <laughs> it's like a uh i feel like everybody go through this when they go through this process you started like blaming white people for everything. It's like it's their fault. It's like you got a real hate because it's like man. But at the end of the day, what you realize is everything comes back to you. All your problems, you responsible for them. So then after that, you you like that hate is kind of gone. Now you re- you understand like all right, it's on me. Ain't no reason for me. It, even though a lot of I want to I want to make this clear. A lot of fucked up shit do go on in our communities. But at the end of the day, it's on us. It's not. No, but you can't be pointing the finger. And then when you have that train of thought, I feel like that's when you go into like the wealth building economics because you know that's how you really can make a difference and put people in positions and shit like that. And I feel like now we at a point where it's like the people that's still in that stage where it's like blame white people for everything versus the people that's like, yo, fuck putting energy towards that. Put energy towards building yourself, building your own environment. I always see like a constant battle between those two mentalities. What you think about this? But you know what's so crazy about that little uh, X-Men? Yeah. Those people that you see that are so mad at white people don't even hate them. So that's the thing. They, nah. they, they want the acceptance. That's the thing. So it's like, <laughs> you you tell me about how evil this system is. You tell me that they want to keep you oppressed, but at the same time, you want representation at the Oscars. You want right. Hollywood to, to represent you to make sure right. that this black actress or this black actor gets the award or gets the role and all that other stuff. But in the same breath, you just said that they want to oppress you. And that's what I'm saying. I, I tweeted mm. this like, you cannot be surprised when your enemy does things that enemies do. It's just that your, your, your issue is that you don't want to believe that they're your enemy. And then you also want to appeal to that enemy. Mm. You feel me? So that mentality is why people get so stuck. And that's why I was saying, you know, about the whole, you know, the country club effect where you believe that if I just do this and I get myself at that table, I'll be set. I'll be good. They'll accept me. They'll love me. If they just knew me, they wouldn't be racist anymore. They wouldn't do. It's like, yo, fam, whether or not they're racist is really not my issue. 
Right. My issue is that my community is dealing with a lot of issues that could be prevented. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whether white people got involved or not. Like when we, the major issues, because, you know, I live in the hood. So it's like I talk to people all of the time. Like, yo, what are the issues that really matter to you? And the same things happen all of the time. We need better jobs, mm-hmm. uh, better food choices, better living conditions. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They want to they wanna live better. That's what they're not talking about. Oh, the white man is this and the white man. They're not talking about that. If you go to where it's really going down at, where you got trapped niggas, you got the jack boys, you got, you know, all of this shit that goes down that they hop, these suburban niggas hop on the timeline and act like they a part of and <laughs> they know about. You see know what I'm saying? You, you actually go to these places and they don't talk about white people. Mm-hmm. They don't say, oh, I can't get there. Or I can't get to the next level because of a, another white person. If anything, they'll, they'll talk about it to somebody they neighbor. Like, yo, they always blasting music or this person, I think he's stealing from me and all of that. They ain't white. So it's like when I know that, I can't go online and act like the realities of my community don't exist just because this one white person in Arkansas did this to this one black person right. or this cop. did. I can't deal with that. I know that at the end of the day, the the way to deal with every issue that y'all complaining about is through economics. If we uh, let's just let's, let's uh, deal with uh, better jobs, we start businesses. All of us here are entrepreneurs. All of us here, you know, have a business. Mm-hmm. You guys shop, you know, as far as the, the customer base, you guys shop with us. That money allows us to reinvest into the company. The company grows bigger. As the company grows bigger, we need people to maintain this business. Boom. Jobs right then and there. Not only that, because it's intra-community businesses, when you shop, you're you're actually investing in community. You know, you know, everybody can, you know, argue about the whole Popeye's chicken thing, but there are local chicken sandwich makers that you could have shopped with that could have actually grown that business to the point that you don't have to worry about getting a job at somewhere else. You can actually work somewhere local. When I was 13 years old, I was living in Providence, Rhode Island. And I had just moved there. And right around the corner, like diagonal from my crib, was a local clothing store. And it was run by this man named Heavy. He's my OG. I was 13 years old. I went in there and, um, he, you know, this is back when, like, plasma, this is like 03. So this is when plasma TVs at first, like, you know, hit the scene and all of that. He had a plasma TV in there. He had a bunch of pretty women. All the hustlers went there to go shopping to get their fresh. I wanted to be around him all of the time. I essentially dropped out of school back then to go work full time. Mm. You feel me? Like, I, you know, he wouldn't hide me, of course. So I just went in there and I forced him to hide me. I went in there and started folding T-shirts unsolicited. Anytime he had a new shipment, I would talk to customers. And he would, you know, he would try to kick me out and all that other stuff. But I'm like, yo, I'm not going nowhere. I want to be here. So if we had more of that, if we had more of the youth being able to work in local businesses, they can learn how to run a business firsthand. They can learn how to deal with customers and have you know good customer service. They can learn a lot of life skills. Now, I'm not telling you <laughs> teenagers to drop out of school and work <laughs> somewhere, but I am saying that it's very important. Back when um, the war on poverty happened in the black community, this is where you get the introduction of food stamps, welfare, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, one thing that happened economically that hurt the community was minimum wage. You know, a lot of people now, you know, they see them shouting about $15 minimum wages. But at the end of the day, its inception was it, it actually destabilized, destabilized a lot of black American businesses. Mm. So I'll paint this picture. You run a grocery store right now. This is easy work as far as like, you know, 
what it takes as far as skill or certification. You hire four teenagers, and this is back in the 70s too, so you know, just for inflation. You hire four teenagers at $1 an hour for after school. So, you know, from the time they get out of school to about eight o'clock, so let's say like, you know, four to eight or three to eight, they get $1 an hour. Now they do that five to seven days a week. So you, you're making, you know, between, you know, $25 and $35 a week. Um, you're a business owner, so you're able to pay them that much. Then minimum wage comes in the game. And minimum wage dictates that you have to pay each and every, excuse, each and every last one of these uh, teenagers $4 an hour with no, no matter what. So now instead of hiring four teenagers for $1 an hour, you have to hire only one teenager for $4 an hour. Those three out of those four are now roaming the streets, you know, uh, uh, you know, getting into things that they really ne- wouldn't necessarily get into. They, they, you know, they're not applying any real life skills and not gaining any real life skills, you know, being punctual, uh, making your own money, being responsible for your own money, you know, counting all of that, excuse me, accounting, all of that stuff, you know, they, that stripped away out of the community. And now business owners are forced to to pay this higher wage for unskilled labor they're not worth four dollars an hour they're just not well at least one of you know one of them is maybe worth but as far as a team of them you can't afford it so now you have a bunch of local businesses who are uh not able to hire employees based on law you feel me so that's just one of the things that that hurt us economically to where young men and women couldn't get those real life skills that they would normally get um at a local job you know what I'm saying? So all of these things are very important to understand if we're going to talk about black American economic empowerment. You have to be able to enrich the local businesses to, to a point to where they can start employing and actually changing the lives of other people. Because Dunkin' Donuts is only going to give you but so much bread. Walmart is only going to give you but so much bread. Thanks. No, that's that's <laughs> that's some real shit, bro. For real. And that's man, that's that's super dope. Some uh powerful stuff. And something else I want to touch on is I feel like this is this is very important, especially in the times we're in right now, is uh like relationships and like manhood and like womanhood. And some people might be like, you know, y'all not women, y'all shouldn't be speaking on that or whatever. But I don't, I don't care how you feel. And plus, we got a woman right here. But <laughs> oh yeah, I, I seen your tweet, brother. I seen you catching heat yeah. with that fully submit bar. Oh, oh man, you seen that, bro? I mean, man, bro. <laughs> Bro, they was at my neck, dog. But the, but man, the crazy, the craziest part about that though, like all the all the females, because it was it was you know mostly women coming at me. All of them that was at my neck when I would go to their page. First thing I would see some shit like all men are trash. Uh, black, <laughs> black, black feminists. I'm like, okay, I fucking expect you to say that. That's why. That's why you're saying this. Most of the what's crazy is. A lot of the girls was like right, like agreeing, like yeah, that's exactly. But you know, you got the chicks, and like, a, like I only mean this in a disrespectful way, trying to come at people. When people, when I see people reaction, I know it's based on your experience. So it's like, just you probably grew up around some fucked up men or been in a relationship with some fucked up men. So that's all you know. So I expect you to be like what? Because you got submission. The word submission to you is is uh, is uh, synonymous with like some bullshit. When, and when actually submission ain't got nothing to do with it, so so it's it's so it's so crazy. Like people, the people was at my. I'm glad you. <laughs> you, see, you see, bro, listen, man. I uh, if 
you've been if you've been on the timeline long enough, man, you got you're gonna piss some feminists. Yeah. You're gonna piss some people <laughs> off. That's just what it is. Yeah. Hey, if, if you are living a fulfilling life, you're going to trigger the people who are miserable. Yeah. But because they got large followings and they can eloquently t- type and you know <laughs> have compelling tweets and stuff like that, they their their lives are miserable. Yeah, man. And I said so. I said something. I echoed the sentiment um, a few weeks or maybe a month earlier, where I was saying that you know men are to be mainly masculine, women no, are that's... to be mainly feminine, and men are to lead. And this woman, she was like, "Oh, uh, you know," she hit me with the uh, the crying, laughing emojis, like, "Oh, that's so cute that you think this is an older woman, right?" Right. She was like, it's so cute that you think this. And I was like, you know, I was like, you know, me being an asshole, I was like, oh, you divorced or never married? Because I already knew. It <laughs> one. So, um, so she was like, you know, she hit me with something I wasn't expecting. She was like, well, my, my husband is dead or something like that. I'm a widow or something oh, like y'all that. Oh, so, so, you know, you know, I was, I, I, I cheated up. I was like, all right, well, you know, my condolences, you know, and all that other stuff. Hopefully he was a leader like he was supposed to be. Fans, he was like, oh, he was an alcoholic. And he, he was a drunk and, and all of this See? other stuff. And if I would have had let him lead, we I would have been this. And now I'm like, well, See? this is exactly you just proved my point. <laughs> exactly. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, you first of all, you're bitter because you had to do all of that. If your exactly. husband wasn't an alcoholic and he was holding down the crib, he was paying all of the bills, he was making sure the child was healthy and comfortable and you know, encouraged and all that other stuff, you wouldn't have these these bars. But like you said, <laughs> your life experience yeah. is going to be how you, you answer things. Yeah, exactly. And this is coming from somebody whose dad wasn't around and all like I'm saying I'm a I'm a I was born in the late eighties, B. Like I don't I don't know too many men my age now who came up in my era who had a dad. So in like the eighties right. and nineties was wild. So we all T V babies. You feel me? Like mm-hmm. that's that's who raised us, like women in in T V. And then when we went outside we had the hustlers and some of maybe our friends pops or uncles and OGs who who tried to step in and all of that. But like our generation is the most fatherless generation. So you have a lot of people now who are now in their thirties, late twenties, you know, and all of that, who are you know, still full of resentment. They miss their daddy, man, and and I get it. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. sometimes I miss that nigga too. But it's, <laughs> it's like you know, at this That's point, right. I got two of my own. I got a family of my own, so I can't. Be hung up on that. I just gotta forgive and, and, and keep rocking. You dig what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's what it is, man. And um, as much as I understand, you know, and and I don't like, I'm not gonna say that's a total lie. I absolutely do like the trolling about it, but <laughs> um, I do understand the situation. You know what I'm saying? And it's 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 uh, it's not your fault that it happened, but it is your responsibility. That's and that's right. something I talk about in my book, man. The difference between fault and responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Is are you to blame? For the fact that your pops left, absolutely not. But is it your responsibility to make it in spite of? 100%. 100%. And that goes for any other, you know, I'll keep it 100. Any other atrocity that went off in your life. You right. know what I'm saying? House burnt down. Was it your fault? It was electrical fire. It wasn't your fault. But do you have to find shelter again? Do you have to gain shelter again? Absolutely. You lost your job and it was because of layoffs or whatever. Was it your fault? Not necessarily. Not necessarily, mm-hmm. but you still got to get, get employment. You have to keep going. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I've noticed is that wealth builders, as opposed, like you said, that is that fight between the people who are, you know, spearheading the wealth building part and the other people who are just like, no, handouts, reparations, you know, all of this other stuff is not our fault. So we don't we shouldn't have to do the work. That's what we're dealing with. And this is a good time. 
the, you know, a lot is we're frustrated now. You know what I'm saying? Because we got to hear these dumb people in our mentions. Right. However, you know ten years from now, those going to be the same people that like, yo, man, I know I was giving you hell back in the day, but <laughs> yo, I'm good now. You feel me? Like, and that's all it is, man. Yeah. Because there was people before me. There was a Claude Anderson before me when I was like, fuck Whitey, Black Lives Matter, da 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 da. My 2014 shit. If it wasn't for white people, we wouldn't be this. It was a Claude Anderson. I was like, no, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Right. In the 80s, this happened. In the 90s, this happened. And then now you're here. You new to this. Let me hit you to what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the same thing, fam. Right. It's going to be the same thing. So right now, we are winning. Don't trip. It gets annoying sometimes, but we winning. The yeah. DMs that you get, the DMs that we get, <laughs> like, yo, thank you for inspiring me. That, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's, that's what keeps us going. Like, all of the hate that you get in on the other end of that, man, yeah. like, just know those going to be the same people. Like, yo. When you first said that, I was tripping, right? Right. <laughs> I, I, it, you know it happens all the time. But now, you're right. You know what I'm saying? It, so, it, yeah, man. Yeah, because it's a, it's a different... Like I said, most of us are, are programmed on what to think. We're really not thinking for ourselves. So, when somebody goes come straight from a different angle, your first reaction is to reject it. Because you're like, what the fuck? Ain't no way I could be this wrong myself. So, you like... Nah. <laughs> So you, so There's you, no way, yo. And like, yo, that's a big part of wealth building, yeah. man. One thing, if you coming from the backgrounds that a lot of Black Americans come from, you gotta unlearn a lot. Man. A lo- you gotta facts. unlearn a lot. You have to unlearn pretty much. I, I'd say up to 98 percent of what you were taught. You facts, feel me? Bro. Now right. th- that two percent is the hustle. That two percent is the being able to conserve your bread. The two percent is you know respecting your elders, being on time, and stuff like that that you can learn from your community but man when when i first started doing this man and, it, and i didn't think it was gonna happen i was like there's no way it's gonna happen in 2016 2015 we we far enough ahead but yo people was telling me that 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 investor shit that's that white man shit you feel me like you know wealth building like that real estate shit that's that white man shit. i'm like bro are you nuts like what are you talking about son and it's like it's so funny because wealth building is actually one of the only fields where it is an even playing field you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like in college and you going to get you gotta you gotta hit the, the highest marks to get the best grades, to get the best degree, to get the best job. You feel me? Like you gotta compete. Right. When it comes to wealth building, son, you could you look around your hoods, how many abandoned properties, distressed properties you could get into. Right. When you when you can download Robinhood to your phone right now and start buying stocks for free. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like the the barrier to entry is so much lower as opposed to getting into an Ivy League school or a state school or, you know, a, a great school or getting a great job and all this other stuff. Like, all of that stuff takes a lot more preparation and requirements as opposed to just downloading the app. And the next time that you get $100, buy one share. You can do that. You feel me? You can start somewhere much easier than it is in other fields. You feel me? Like, you may have, you know, been one of them people like my mans who did some time. And he uh, was in the library all of the time. He was reading up on law. And he once he came home, he was helping his his other friends with their cases. He, he brought two people home Damn. since he's been home That's with his hard. knowledge. Like, yo, you know, tell your lawyer this, you know, file for this. And like he was giving him, like he was speaking Latin, like all of that law jargon. However, it's going to take him, if he ever decided to become a lawyer, it's going to take him eight years to get that degree. To become, he got to pass the bar and all of that. Now, he can... Instead of, uh, um, you know, going that route, he can actually start opening up a business to where he can just uh, he can open a business and hire lawyers Mm. to, you know, consult, you know, people that's in prison and stuff like that. 
and being able to get them the right uh, litigation or the right uh, legal help that they can get as opposed to him passing the bar. You could just make a facility or facilitate the means for that to happen, you know, and you don't have to worry about all of that. So it's like wealth building allows the common man to be the uncommon man much easier than any other route in American history, period. Mm. That's a and that, that's a bar right there, bro. That's for I know I know this episode get gonna get a lot of people hip to shit and like I, I my, my my main goal with a lot of these episodes is just to 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 form people mentalities so they can get different like I said, give different opinions. So not like a way shit instead of getting the same opinion and perspective over and over and over, you get different perspective. And you can find your truth through that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because we got different, absolutely different options. And I, I, uh, I wanted to uh, read something that you tweeted to, to, uh, so we could discuss about it. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Anytime somebody says this is to me, I always brace myself. Hey, you know? hey, I'm the same way. Though. I'll be like, oh, shit, man. What, what, what you talking about? Like, yo, uh, a couple weeks ago, you tweeted. I'm like, <laughs> nah, oh, man. No, no. Nah, like, when, I, when, I, when I seen it, I'm like, man, this is, like, I agree a, a, a trillion percent shit. I'm like, this is the realest shit in the world to me. But the tweet, it say, uh, we have a major imbalance in men. It say, women relationships, because because men have accepted the submissive role, instead of doing a difficult thing and telling your lady, no, you're wrong, they let them do whatever they want unchecked. This is lazy, cowardice, and unsafe for both parties. And he was like, uh, men who bought into the idea that women are above reproach, it's just them not wanting to be men. 100%. Men, men who don't want to leave because they can't handle the pressures of everything falling on their shoulders, they don't. They don't know how to lead. And I'm like, wow, yo, that's a, that's. It, you, it was. A, it was. It was. It was a, more parts to this. But I'm like, yo, this is. This is. A, this is. And then you say the, the community has been run by feminine energy for the greater greater part of three decades. Most boys grew up in female led households. Their absent fathers leaving them when they were first, when they when leaving them were the first masculine memory they have. The resentment they hold they they hold for their father stays with them until adulthood. And I'm like, damn, that's that's some deep that's shit. That's right on point because when you think about it, like a lot of time when you hear um, us talking about those like important figures in our mm-hmm. life, you always hear people saying my mother or my grandmother. It's never you never really hear people saying father too much or like you know. Especially in our, in our, in our community, it's always mother or uh, grand grandmother. Mm. That's that's a fact, and you know that's the reason why a lot of us with common sense. Uh, we're taken aback so hard, like it was taken aback so hard when this feminist movement rose up. Because when they was talking about the patriarch, I'm like, well, where? Like, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, like, fact. when we talk about the late '80s, '90s babies, there was no patriarch. Mm. It was it was grandma. Like in my crib, it was three generations of estrogen in my crib: my mother, my, my grandmother, and my sister. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So I'm getting it. I'm getting nothing but that. Like, you know, to this day, I'm not. I don't watch sports. Because there was no sports on in my crib. Now that's rudimentary. That's really elementary uh, element to masculinity. But there was none of that. There was, you know, lifetime and mm-hmm. you know all of that stuff going on. But I had to go outside to get masculinity. You see what I'm saying? And that was me. You know, I hated my pops for a long time in the nineties. You know what I'm saying? I did the whole thing. You know, with Drake was talking about like uh, sitting on the suitcase waiting for his pops to never show up. Like that was me. So and I was sitting in in the driveway or sitting at the in front of the apartment building waiting for him because he told me he was going to pick me up and all of that. Like, I went through all of those, you know, young boy uh, father issues, you feel me? And it, it definitely uh, hindered me coming up. I, I, I lashed out. 
a lot. You know what I'm saying? I started committing crime because my mother was going so hard to soften me up because she's a woman. Right. So I'm bigger than everybody my age. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just off the strength of that. They they perceive me as tougher. So my mother, when I used to get in trouble for fights and that in school, she used to go in there like, oh, he's a gentle giant and all this other nonsense. Like, yo, man, your son just knocked out two of our students. <laughs> and he did all the. You're not going to keep trying to sell us on this gentle giant stuff. And I went harder in the streets because my mother was going so hard trying to soften up my image and all of that. That's not what... Your father would ever do. Right. Your father would tell you to discipline your aggression. Mm. He wouldn't tell you to suppress your aggression. He would tell you to discipline it. Like, yo, listen, you fighting and all of that other stuff. I'm not telling you not to throw a punch. I'm telling you to do it wisely. I'm mm. telling you that you don't react to every little thing. You don't have to prove yourself to every person that says something to you. You can walk away and all of that. My mother, she was just like, don't fight. You know, tell the tell, right. the, tell the teacher. And also, I'm like, yo, man, that's not how it is. Right. Yeah. It made that made shake for for your daughter, but that's not how it is. So when you going back to the way the household is supposed to be ran, yo, at the end of the day, you uh, we have been you know kind of warped in that sense because now for the past thirty years we've seen women front the bill. We've seen women take on the, the the brunt of all of that. You know, mama had to pay bills, put bills in our name to make sure that she can make, you know, ends meet, you know, having to, you know, go in the credit card debt and, and all of this other stuff to survive because she was holding down an entire household right. by herself. Right. So now when your daughter is looking, you know, when, when the daughters of this generation are looking at this, I ain't trying to struggle like my mother. I'm going to get it on my own. I don't need no man mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. So when it comes down to the saying, you know, women should submit, men should do this. That that's that goes against everything that they ever seen. Just like right. that lady who hit me up. You know what I'm saying? She mm-hmm. was saying, based upon her own experiences, that that's not how it goes, but that's how it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. You, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like men are supposed to fulfill that role mm-hmm. to allow women to to not have to stress like that. It should not be a woman's sole responsibility to make sure all of the lights is on. Facts. Bills is paid. No, that's not her job. So her right. job is to assist because she's greater at doing other things like nurturing. Mm-hmm. And this is not a slight against my my, my entrepreneurial women, my boss ladies out there. Right. I, I'm not saying that that's not what you do. I'm saying that one of your greatest natural divine powers is to nurture, mm. even if it's even if it is in business. You know what okay. I'm saying? Like customer service, you need to nurture your customers and, and, and making sure that, you know, your employees and all of that are feeling comfortable. That that feminine energy is absolutely necessary in business. However, it's usually, you know, you hear from women themselves, a male dominated industry or, you know, a masculine dominated industry because it is cutthroat in a lot of ways. So you need a man to be able to, you know, maneuver through those ways without being taken advantage of. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's it's all about balance. It right. shouldn't be more one or the other. It should be, you know, 100, 100, not even 50, 50. Everybody doing their job at 100 percent. And I promise you, man, I see it all of the time in those fruitful people. You know, you'll have uh, those young. If you've noticed a lot of the young entrepreneurs that's like in their teens, they'll they'll say they'll give it up to their dads. You know, right. you don't really hear yeah, them, people right. our age bracket. Our age bracket are, are doing much better at fatherhood, at being in the household. You know, right. I'm here. I got two daughters. I take care of them. You know, I love my family. So you're going to see a lot more teenagers and young kids saying, yo, my mom and my dad, as opposed to our generation who's right. really, you know, thank, I thank God and I thank my mom. Like, that's, that's what they gave it up to. <laughs> that's real. You know? 
Yeah, we uh we need to put the importance on family structure within our households again because I feel like, you know, like how you said, like that's really died off in a sense. And we need to start holding each other accountable for our actions. So women, as women, holding men accountable for being men, being strong men and playing that role and vice versa. And once we start doing that, I feel like it can really help us all start to succeed more as a culture. I agree. And I'm going to say something that's uh, kind of controversial on that topic. Um, until women, and <laughs> I'm, 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 not, I'm not keep it all the way 100, and y'all can sound like this. Until women up their standards for the men that they fall in love with and have sex with, get in relationships with, and procreate with, we're never going to see the type of uh, advancement that we need. As long as bum niggas Facts. can still get some ass. Facts. <laughs> Facts. As, long as, as long as bums can still get play, as long as bum dudes. Can, can you know lay up on your couch and take your income tax and get you pregnant and and Facts. run out as long as y'all keep accepting that the, the more they gonna keep doing it you mm-hmm. feel me and I hate to say it like that and you know my wife and I we be going back and forth because I be like nah the men need to do this the men need to do that and she be like nah the women need to do this you know what I'm saying <laughs> like we hold each side accountable and she you know and when we are dealing with the facts not what it's supposed to be right. not what it should be none of that when we dealing with the facts. Women are running these households. They mm-hmm. are. That's just what it is. That's like I said, it's getting a little bit. It's getting better now. You know, as you know, our generation is becoming fathers and stuff like that. But for a long time, women have been running the household. So a lot of this does fall on their shoulders. Un, you know, un, not rightfully, unrightfully. You know, it, it, you know, y'all shouldn't have been left alone. But there's also other accountabilities there, too, because we can't just make a blanket statement and say all of these men just left because they was dirtbags. Right. A lot of the circumstances that happen with y'all, you know, whether it's you making it harder for him to be a father, whether it's, you know, you, you know, putting them on types of child support, even though he takes care of his kids, whether you, you know, have, you know, all of those things happen. It's a bunch of nuance there. However, the reality of the situation is y'all have been running the household and men haven't been. And it just shows us that you can't do it alone. That, that, you know, you should be able to admit that, you know, for a long time, like like going back to the war on poverty, you know, in the late 60s, 70s, ironically, after the civil rights movement. And we can make those parallels in a later time. (laughs) But after that happened, you feel what I'm saying? Like those women were were conditioned to think of certain way. You feel me? They they were in an economic situation where it was actually okay to get rid of the father because you can right. replace him with government assistance. Right. You see what I'm saying? It's not like that. You know what I'm saying anymore? And, and you know, back in those days, you can actually create, you can supplement the lost income from the father not being there with Section Eight, with food stamps, and with you know all of these other uh, incentives. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of that has to do with the fact that men and women in the household that we see in the communities is is not is you know, it's broken up. You know, we have to get that back to the um the nuclear family is what they call it, you know, mother, father, and child or children to make sure that we can, you know, insulate our community in a way that we don't have to worry about picking up slack like grandma gotta do it not got not not no happily doing it but you have to take care of the kids like yo right. I, I raised you now i gotta raise your kids like you know what i'm saying right. like it should be an assistance thing everybody should be assisting one another it should not be mandatory for people that are not the parents to have to pick up the slack 
That's just what it is. You yeah. feel me? And we have to get back to that in our in our neighborhoods. And you know, I believe that this is economic too. In my book, in Black America Inc., I said like we start opening up real family centers, not these little janky ones that be in the hood. You go there and you get some type of weird social worker who's going to judge you every week or every month or whatever. Like, nah, y'all going there as a family. Y'all, um, no matter how much y'all hate each other, whatever. Yeah, sit through those therapy sessions and y'all come together and come up with a plan to either co-parent, get back together in some way to make sure that y'all are taking care of your family the way, you know, you're supposed to. You know, my my daughter's mother, who isn't my wife, me and her co-parent, well, very well. Like, she calls me, she lets me know what's going on. I call her, let her know what's going on. Anytime, you know, our daughter needs anything, I'm always there. She don't got to put me on child support. We don't beef with each other. I have no baby mama drama. She has no baby father drama. Like, we don't deal with any of that. We work together to make sure our our child is, you know, living her best life, so to speak. You feel me? And, you know, that's what we need more of. I'm not asking every broken relationship to be mended, but I am asking for, for all of these relationships to be more fruitful in their endeavors. You feel me? And that's what we need in the community. We need a lot of healing. You know, we go through a lot. And because of Twitter talking about, oh, women need, these bitches need to do this and these <laughs> niggas need to do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because it's not just the women either. It's a Facts. bunch of women and men on the timeline who have mommy issues, just like the women who have daddy issues. You feel me? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's all coming from bad economics, bad right. family yeah. economics. You family feel me? Structure. So... You know, once we start treating families like they supposed to be treated, like viable businesses, then we'll be back on track. Mm, that's the real shit in the world. Gang. And like me personally, like on some real shit, I often tell us I'll be feeling bad for women just from the point of view. Like, because I always say, I always say, like, all, all males aren't men. Because like right now, how I see it in this culture we in right now, it's like it's kind of bad. I, yeah. It's looking like it's like 90 percent of these dudes, they're not really men for like real men. And when I say men, because you ask a lot of people, you'll be like, you know, what I'm saying what you like, what is a What's masculinity? What's like a man, a man to you? They think it's just some uh, a nigga walking around on some macho That's shit. Nice. I don't do this. Don't yeah. you know what I'm saying? Some tough guy shit. Well, R- real, real man, who they got nothing to do with it. A man is just somebody. They do what he gonna say he gonna do. Got integrity, got a code of honor, provides for himself, is take care of his people. That's really what a man. Ain't got nothing to do with no tough guy acts, none of that shit. So, and a lot of, uh, I feel like a lot of women, most women, they never really dated a man before. You know what I'm saying? Man, so they, so they, say that. They, they say never, that. they never ever ever dated a man. So they point of view on men is trash. So. It, it, their whole point of view is trash. So you'll be arguing with a chick about like a chick might be saying all oh, men ain't shit, and it's like from your experiences, I understand why you say that, but you gotta understand that that dude you went dating that wasn't no fucking man. That's a <laughs> I don't even know what to call that. That's a that's a, like a like it's crazy. Like yo, like, fam, you know what's so crazy about that? That's where they get uh, misguided uh, when it come, when it came. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Uh, toxic masculinity. Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you've ever heard that term, what they're referring to is the complete lack of masculinity. Exactly. That's, what that's what I'm saying. That toxic masculinity <laughs> like, That's not masculinity. Nigga can't control his emotions and if a nigga can't control his finances, can't control his behavior, can't control any of that, and all he do is is, is react violently, whether <laughs> verbally or physically, that man is not a man. That's that man different. is a boy exactly. in a man's body. You exactly. feel me? And 
I had to learn that as a man. I'll be a hundred and say that. I jumped head first in the life, man. That's what I did. So I had my first child when I was 19. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I didn't. And this is the reason why I make this distinction so much, because I thought this was what a man did. I did not make my child as a teenager on accident. I literally wanted a child and I made a child with intention. I just did it in the wrong way because I thought that's what men did. You know what I'm saying? I'm at this age. I'm living down south. And I don't know if you guys know down south culture, especially in the church. They want you to to get married and have babies and all that as early as possible, as long as it's not, like, super weird and you, like, you know, a kid kid. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they actually, in the church, they want you to start making families young and get you a solid job and, you know, and just have a family real young. So I thought that's what I needed to do. But... This sounds like a good idea as a grown man, you feel me? But as a teenager, I'm not equipped for that. I'm not right. ready for that. So those first few years, man, I was struggling to be a man. Because I'm not mm. I'm I barely know what it is to be a man, but not not only that, I had to be a father now. Not only that, I gotta be a father to a girl. So mm. it's like it's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I have to be a shining example of what a man is supposed to be, and I barely even know what it is. Mm. And going back to what you were saying as far as the men that these chicks was dealing with a lot of the times based upon the energy and based upon the conditioning and program of the past three decades, these dudes be trying to find moms. Facts. Like they, they try Facts. to find surrogate mothers <laughs> that they can have Facts, sex with. You feel bro. me? Like, and this is, this is the problem. You know, they do bare minimum while she does everything. And it becomes a, 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 a battle because now it's not like he's imposing that on her. It's that it's just that he's exploiting it because she's so used to it. Maybe she was a, a single mother previously to that relationship, or she was raised by one, so mm-hmm. she was taught by her mother like, "Yo, don't rely on men ever." Da da da. And if you're dealing with you know certain insecurities and stuff like that that young girls have, and it's not reaffirmed by their father because. Little girls need their fathers just as much as little boys do. So when you're not get, gaining that uh, that self-esteem and that confidence that your father gives you, the first dude to give you some attention or to make you feel something that you've never felt before, you give them everything. Yeah. And because you're so already used to getting your own bag, taking care of your own kids or taking care of your own life, and you, never, you don't physically need them, it makes it much easier to start spreading love to him. You know what I'm saying? It's easy, you know, getting him the new 2K or getting him some Jordans or letting them, you know, crash at your crib. And, you know, all of that stuff becomes natural. And because, again, that divine natural instinct to nurture kicks right in for women. So they fall right into that role, too. And, of course, the perks of the adulthood, you know, sex and going out on dates and, you know, posting pictures and all that other stuff. Whole time. Son is bringing in, you know, barely anything to help with the bills. If anything at all, he's, you know, relying on her to make the final decisions and all that other stuff. Like, it's so many things wrapped up, but it's really the women that's taking a lot of the burden. And that's why I speak so highly of women in that regard and speak so lowly of men in that regard because we have to step up. Like, there's no other way. I'm not this if if you this doesn't apply to you, don't hit me up tomorrow. <laughs> I take care of my kids. Like I don't want to hear that, fam. I'm talking about in totality, fam, in, in general, because a lot of people they like to, to throw up the statistics that you know black men are the most involved with their kids and all of that. And that study was based upon involved fathers. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like if you did a study against involved fathers, involved fathers, then yeah. 
But we're talking about the niggas who are not. We're talking about the men who are not. Those are even if it's a, a smaller number than another community, which I don't. I will get into that too. I don't. I hate comparing to other races, but yeah, I, I um, doesn't matter, fam. Like we right. need more fathers active. The lack of fathers, the lack of masculinity, is why we have all of this. Um, um, a bunch of emotional men shooting, fighting, robbing, jacking, and all of this other stuff because they do not know how to properly channel their anger, properly channel their uh, um, their frustrations in the world, and they take it out on other people and victimize other people. And one of the most egregious ways they do it is by leeching off of women and all of the work that they have to do to maintain their households, their children, or whatever it is. You know, I see it all of the time. They call them hobosexuals. You know, the men who just couch surf and go from woman to woman and, you know, siphon all of their energy and all of their resources and then move on to the next one. You know what I'm saying? Where now it's cool. It should be cool to find that one girl. If you if you a bachelor, be a bachelor. But do not, you know, have these women, you know, thinking that you you gonna take care of them and all this other stuff and do what a man is supposed to do. But you know, and if you're ready for that relationship, we're making it cool to take care of your family. We're making it cool to pay all of the bills. You're making it cool to, you know, make the final decisions or make the hard decisions. Like, okay, right. what's, you know, got to be paid? Or, you know, where are we going to be going? Where are we going to, you know, be living? What, you know, all of that stuff, that is a man's responsibility. Now, of course, you're supposed to consult with your lady, especially if your lady is as savvy as you are. You, right. you, you know, two heads are always going to be better than one. At the right. end of the day, the action, the executable action that needs to take place has to come from the man. This is not to undermine the woman. This is supposed to, this is uh, meant to give her peace of mind. Mm. To be like, okay, I got somebody that's going to hold it down. I don't have to remind him every other week to take out the trash. I don't have to remind him or tell him that something needs to be fixed. I don't have to remind him or tell him, you know, what bills can be paid. I don't have to remind him or tell him that we need to make this much money every year or whatever. I don't have to remind him. Now, of course, you're going to need help. You know, those reminders do help. Right. But as a man, yo, those should be in front of your brain. Like, you right. know, debating on Twitter about Rihanna's pregnancy or talking about Antonio Brown or arguing about white supremacy is not getting your bills paid. You have to refocus what's going on in your life. And a lot of people in this era are being more and more distracted. But we got to get back to that. We got to get the back. Get back to men being men, mm. women being women, and us handling what we need to handle for the future of our children. That's mm. just what it is. That's just what it is. I, I love that, man. And, I, and I, uh, just to piggyback. I hope on, I'm not rambling. I know I'll be <laughs> No, you good. You good, bro. You good. I, 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 I love it, man. And, and like, uh, I just wanted to piggyback on that. And I feel like well, a lot of that comes down to, and this is something me and Deanna, we were just talking about the other day. Because uh, I, I, I said, I think I said something about it on Twitter, and I even got flagged for that. I was saying how, in my no, no, not from you, not from you. But I'm saying, uh, in my opinion, I feel like a man's purpose should always be his top priority, and the re and the reason <laughs> look, look, see, look, look. and the reason for that is like I know a lot of women they like what, and I, I was like, yeah, you put your purpose like whatever your mission in life is, put that number one, and you know, I and yo yo yo, I feel like your relationship or that should be like one a, and the reason for that to me. And some people might disagree with this is because a man's sole purpose is to provide for his loved ones, provide for his family. But if it's like if your purpose is not always the thing, you can't you can't provide for them if you're not on your purpose. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that's right. That's how a man expresses his love by providing, doing shit like that. We don't, we don't really probably say, 
You know what I'm saying? I love you a million times a day. We just show you by our actions. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, right. I'm making sure these bills paid. I'm making sure this good. I'm making sure we go on vacation wherever we want. I'm taking you to do this. I'm, I'm showing you everything. So, but I can't do all those things for you. How to bag, right? If my purpose is not my priority. So I feel like putting your purpose as, as the number priority is putting your family and your loved ones, your wife as your number priority by, by, by default kind of. And as a woman, yo, man, that's a fact. <laughs> that's a fact. You know, I tell, <laughs> uh, we was, uh, my wife and I, we was having a conversation. It was either my wife and I or my homie. And we were talking about how, like, you know, parenthood and, and your relationship comes second to your personal development. You know, mm. and it and it, it freaked right. people out, you know, yeah. that were in the conversation. They were saying, like, yo, what do you mean? Your kids are supposed to come first. It's <laughs> like, yo, dog, if I am not a great person, I can't be a great father. I can't be a great husband. So, th- and that's the whole point. And like you said, a man's soul, not soul, but his main primary yeah. goals is to protect and provide his exactly. tribe. That's what it is. And if I'm not able to protect and provide for myself or protect and provide um, to make sure my life is better, there's absolutely zero way I can do that. For <laughs> I'll be no, I'll be of no service to you if I can't do it for myself. Sure. And you said something too that I wanted to respond to uh, about that too. But um, my whole thing is that you have to be a man first. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like in order, you know, I tell people uh, one of the guys that I, I read uh, a lot is uh, this guy named um, Brian Stevens, and he was talking about that too. Like you. Don't worry about, you can't be a good father without being a good man. You know, when you worry about, oh, you know, how's my wife going to feel? You know, how do I make my wife happy? Or how do I make my kids happy? How do I get my kids to respect me? How do I get my wife to listen to me and all that other (laughs) stuff, man? Just lead by example. You know, a lot of men, especially broke men who are dealing with women who may have, you know, high standards or, you know, won't let them get away with the nut shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You'll see that, you know, like, oh, that's what you said. As far as, like, you, I'm, I may not, you know, say I love you as much or whatever. If you've noticed, broke niggas, they always got good gems. They always, always. got good things to say. Always. They got a bunch of a mush emotions that they can give them. <laughs> that's what they. That's the only currency they got. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I was like that at one time. That's how I know. You know what I'm saying? I was writing poems and, oh, I love you and all this other stuff. It's like, yeah, son, but the gas bill's still 200. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know you love me. I know you, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you got all of these good bars and sweet nothing to tell me something, but some cash would work. You know what I'm saying? Some cash right there would go a long way. So it's like the reason why I'm able to help with the paradigm shift or help with the mindset shift is because I went through this. You know, a lot of people, they get intimidated by this our community. So they, mm-hmm. they look at me, you, B, and, and Z, and all of them like, and I, that sounds crazy, but I'm just saying letters. But, like, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're talking about. All these people, and they like, yo, they spending $125 on shots. They going to Miami and got in the BMW. What it, them says, like, yo, he said the $1,000 a week. And all this other stuff. It's like, yo, it's impossible. It's like, bro. I know you're getting a little intimidated, but yo, we all started from we the all, all started from the dirt. And it's like, you can do this too. You know what I'm saying? And I see a lot of people, you know, doing that. They 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 stifle themselves by comparing themselves. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Don't let don't let y'all be the same age. Forget about it. Oh, and man. They definitely, <laughs> oh man, he's 26. I'm 26. I should be I should, right. like, man. That's not your journey, V. Facts. That's not your journey. Like, 
And the reason why I'm able to help with this is because I went through all of that. See, mm. as opposed to a lot of people who was already had that mindset and was already good. So I went mm. through all of that. I went through the envy of seeing people on the timeline years ago. I went through, you know, damn, he got this and he got that. Well, I ain't got that. Like a lot of people, when we tweet, they don't think that that happened to us. They don't think that we went through that. Like, I was envious on Twitter at one point, too. Facts. But I stopped. Because all it did was distract me from my own bed. And now mm-hmm. I got two more businesses. I got assets now. I'm mm. good now. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I, I'm uh, secure financially and in myself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yo, listen, I'm not saying that it's going to happen overnight for you. But I am saying that if you do it 10 overnights, you know what I'm saying? If you keep right. doing it overnight, 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 you'll look up and you'll be like, yo, damn, damn I'm sitting on 200. Damn, I'm sitting on 150. Damn, I'm, I got these many assets. Damn, I got this much cash flow and shit going. You know what I'm saying? And that's the reason why I'm here is because mm-hmm. I want to make it real for y'all. I want to make it real for the average dude who ain't never invested a dime. He only got $50 to his name. He may be addicted to Bud. He may, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, uh, in between jobs. Like, I went through all of that, my G. And now I'm at a space to where I could take care of myself, my family, others, you know what I'm saying? All of that. And I don't have to trip over money no more. You feel me? Like every day I wake up to more money than I did that I went to sleep to. You feel me? Because I got the, the businesses and all of that other stuff, man. It's in this era, there will be no easier era to get this stuff done, bro. Thanks. You feel me? Like this is the era to get it done. And so I went through all of that and, and, and suffered and made myself mm-hmm. suffer and all of that other stuff and went through these things so I could come back, turn around and be like, yo, listen, you could do it too. There's mm-hmm. nothing that you can't do. I'm telling you, as bad as I, you know, it's, it may be a cliche, if Doe can do it, literally anybody can do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, son, that you talking to a nigga that was buying wild iris rose, my G. Like, mm-hmm. this is like, I was slumming it, G. Like, I was bottom of the barrel everything you feel me is the only thing that i guess you could say that i had was that that drive and determination you feel me but you can get that too you can acquire that too everything in life so you can get you can get whatever you want out here you know what i'm saying and and it's just because you coming from a disadvantaged position does not mean anything you know my spitter that's my favorite rapper like him that's 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 it if i didn't if i could listen to one rapper a one musician for the rest of my life, it'd be currency to hospital. And my nigga said, I, I know, what do you say? I never been in a position where I didn't come out winning, even if I was losing in the beginning. Like, mm. that's the thing, son. Like, no matter, no matter what, even if you starting from zero, starting from negative, you know what I'm saying? You can, you can build, fam. You can come from wherever you at and build on top of that. As a matter of fact, you should use your shitty situation and your shitty conditions as fuel to never want to live that shit again. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing that Kobe did with the fourth place trophies for his for this the girls' team. <laughs> like, yeah, they wanted to throw the trophy away. He was like, nah, nah, don't throw it away. Keep it there and remind and keep it as a reminder to never ever get no fourth place trophy ever again. Them shits don't even exist for real. They're not even real. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is keep that? that there to always be a reminder that you'll never play sports again. And that's what I do, man. I remember them days, man. I remember when I was buying mid. 
You know what I'm saying? And asking niggas, yo, can you let me slide on the dime for eight? You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember them days, you feel me? So now I keep them in my in, in my rear view, of course, but I keep them in the back of my mind to humble me, fam, to remember, like, yo, son, it can't, if you don't take care of yourself, it can get back to that. Mm. But, you know what I'm saying? You know, you got to keep moving. Mm, that's Man, that's powerful right there, because that's something people always be asking, like, man... Like, I'm at the bottom. Like, how can I get out of my situation? I want to hear somebody talk about starting from the bottom and this and that. Like, yo, this, 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 this what you, everything you just said is prime example of what you got. And it might sound basic and it might sound cliche to some people. But like I always say, the cliches are cliches for a reason. They stand the test of time. So it, 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 if it's some real shit, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be some real shit. No matter if it's in the 1700s or 2019. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like, yo, sometimes it gets a little intimidating because mm-hmm. you'll have somebody, you know, come on, whether it be the show on the timeline, mm-hmm. they be like, all right, so you take 25000 and then you <laughs> let me like, yo, hold up, hold up, like, yo, how'd you get the 25 grand, son? Hold yeah. up, can you tell me that? Like, yeah. they're like, yeah, you know, first you do, you get your first property, you take seventy five grand, and then you, you invest that, and right. you flip it, and it's like, yo, fam, like, let's... Let's start from square one. So, you know, I still have that. That's why my book is called Stop Being Poor. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's uh, basic when, you know, three years from now, if you took it, if you read it, you'd be like, damn, that shit was super basic. It was just simple. It was simple principles, you know, cutting back expenses, cre- uh, increasing income, you know, clearing debt, et cetera, et cetera. But that shit seemed like Wall Street jargon back then. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's all it is. I just want to be, you know, that dude or that entity that they could use as a launch pad as a catapult to get them to where they're supposed to be because like i said the information becomes real intimidating you know mm-hmm. i remember this dude had tweeted a while back it's like a year ago he was like because he was one of them like uh e-commerce dude. dudes or whatever you know what i'm saying doing the drop shipping stuff okay and he was like because he, he saw my tweets about you know investing and you know all of that and he was like you know, it was kind of a subtweet. He was like, oh, you know, you shouldn't even start investing until you have 100,000 liquid and all this other stuff. Statistically, that's what you're supposed to do. And I'm just like, this is exactly why, like, people don't get into it. So I just, um, this is some fun facts for everybody. I was um, writing my third email, uh, three part, it's a three part email. I was writing my third part of the three part in um, email or whatever. Um, And when you guys follow me, you should definitely go to the bio and subscribe or whatever. But, um, uh, in 2016, only 14% of Americans directly own stocks. So that's outside of like 401ks and all of that. Mm. Uh, only 14% held real estate outside of their primary residence. And only 13% had any business equity. So this is what we're dealing with. 14%, 14%, and 13%. This is in 2016. You see what I'm saying? So this is... You know, this is the demographics that you're dealing with. Like most people have no idea the average age for the, you know, the average age for an American investor to make his first investment is at 30 years old. Mm. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to the young people that you see on the timeline and all that other stuff. So when you're looking at the stats, when you're looking at the mainstream of what investing in wealth building is, it's an old white man's game. That's what they try to, you know, turn it into. But when you see us doing it as young black people mm-hmm. and we killing it, mm-hmm. imagine if you, you know, if you started now, you know, as opposed to waiting until you was 30 or, right. or getting a 401k. And, and even though that 
it's not really a great investment in itself. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> you, you, you're no longer intimidated. You actually look at yourself as ahead of the curve. Because I can't tell you how many old heads hit me up. Like, yo, man, if I just knew what you knew at your age, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, they hit me up all of the time because, like, they they realize that, yo, one of the best things, uh, one of the best assets you'll have when it comes to investing is time. Starting in your late teens, early 20s, mid-20s. Like, man, like, everybody gets so caught up in trying to be in their 20s and rich. I'm not mm-hmm. tripping, bro. Right. I am not tripping. If... If I don't get my, if I don't get to a hundred million until I'm forty, which I know is it's not, it's not gonna take that long. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna trip because I still go to the gym every day. So when I'm forty, I'm still knocking you little niggas out. So I'm <laughs> trip. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I see, I follow a bunch of older dudes who are in their fifties and sixties and still jog a mile a day, got muscles and go on vacations and all of that. They not living the old slump life. It's a new regime mm. being pushed now, fam. When we only focusing on health and wealth, when we only focusing on taking care of ourselves, taking care of our families, and then taking care of our communities, fam. Like me personally, like I don't. I think it, you're morally obligated to enrich your community, invest in your community once you get rich. Fair. There is is it's not non non. I don't care if your hood treated you like shit and then you left and you got rich. Nah, you still owe it to them. To, to, to invest back into it, son. There's no excuses to that, son, because that's what we need, son. We have to stop. We got to change history. We can't keep doing the same cycle where one of us or a few of us make it, leave everybody behind, and then the next generation, a few of them make it, and then leave the rest behind. Like, we dealing with the same numbers. You feel me? Like, we still we dealing with the same numbers where only a minority of the minority is getting to the bag. Mm. You know what I'm saying? One of the things that I do like about the Asian community is that they have a one-to-one employee to employer ratio. Meaning for every one eligible Asian employee, there is one eligible Asian employer. They never really have to go outside of their communities unless it's a certain, you know, industry, you know what I'm saying, where, you know, it's like medicine or something like that, where it's universal or whatever. But they don't have to go outside of their community to get gainfully employed. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's the stuff that I'm talking about. So we can't get rich and leave the hood. Mm-hmm. Alone, at least. You know what I'm saying? You can leave it physically if you want, but go go back and buy some property. Right. You know what I'm saying? Go back and teach people how to do what you did. You feel me? Like, you owe it to them to make sure because when one of us is doing good and all of us is doing good, we, we don't have to worry about recessions. You know, there's certain communities, like, you know, everybody talks about, like, investment uh, investments that are recession proof, they're communities that are recession proof, no matter what, because everything is dealt with uh, uh, um, cooperative economics or group economics, they don't trip. You see what I'm saying? When rates fall, all they do is just lower their prices and everybody acts accordingly and nobody has to suffer for it. Mm. You feel me? Nobody's worried about layoffs and none of that stuff because they're employed by their community. That is possible for us. That's powerful. Yeah. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> we just gotta take action. Yes, yeah, that's, that's 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 the only thing. Take action and keep informing the community. Yeah, that's some real shit. And like, I uh, I was I wanted to ask you like, cause you have your own socks and soul company. So like, what inspired that? So um, Logan and Doe has two. It's a two part inspiration story. So it was Christmas of 2014, and um, I wrote. Um, uh, my wife, 
Oh, she wrote me a call. You got me and my husband bag. I don't know who wrote what. But um, we, I think it was me. <laughs> I'm gonna take it. I wrote Lola and Doe for life on some old hood shit. You know what I'm saying? Black letters in in the in the car, and you know what I'm saying it was like Merry Christmas and all of that. And then at the same time, my wife's friend was having a baby. And at the same time, Johnson and Johnson was in the middle of a lawsuit mm-hmm. for giving their customers cancer. Right. So, well, all of that together, my wife started researching in uh, uh, formulas, recipes, et cetera, et cetera, on natural, organic, personal care goods that she could give to her friends for their babies when they were born. So she had like the nipple salve for like women to you know put on their breasts who were breastfeeding and stuff like that. Uh, the scalp stuff with baby soft scalps, like shampoos and stuff like that, baby washes and all of that. And of course, her friends like, yo, you should sell it. You should sell it. You should sell it. And me getting a, being a bad taste, I was like, yeah, you should sell it. You should sell it. You should sell it. And no lie, like three or four months later, lowlando.com was open for business. And ever since then, you know, that was five years ago. Ever since then, uh, we have been a household name for dozens, if not hundreds of people, because we, you know, put integrity in, in, in the product and um, people have been emailing us, you know, ever since day one, like, oh, my, my eczema's cleared up. You know, my man. daughter's eczema's cleared up. Actually, one of my best friends that I have now is my man, Mike, his oldest sister. She uh, bought some soap from us, uh, and um, she had gave it to her daughter. It's actually the coconut uh, chocolate butter soap, and it cleared up her daughter's eczema. So yeah. when I went, I'm, uh, I went to his uh, his baby shower for my godson. Um, I met them, and she was she just was singing our praises like, "Thank you so much." You know, we used all of these products, and they never worked, and now her skin is clear, fam. So it's like. Lowland Doe, you know, changed lives in that sense. And I'm super proud of it. You know what I'm saying? That's, I mean, it's literally our mom and pop shop, you know? And um, when it came to So Deep, because this is how me and my wife get it, give it up. That's what we do, right? So um, she, it was for, our, uh, for Father's Day. So well, weeks before, she, um, she hit me up and was like, um, send me a picture of you and your man's uh, mixtape cover. Me and my man, Ryan Rowe, we, I used to rap. So me and him dropped a mixtape called Still Sharp and Still. And my homie Stain, he actually designed it like anime style, kind of. Not really anime, but we were, I was a samurai. He had a sword and it's super dope. Like, I love the artwork. <laughs> and the album is dope too, in hindsight. Like, I spit hot fire. So, <laughs> um, she, I sent her the picture or whatever. And she was like, in the, all every day, every other day, she was to hit me up like, yo, you're gonna love your father's day gift. You're gonna love your father's day gift. I'm just, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? You hyping it. I'm, I'm, you know me. She's a great gift giver. I suck at it, but she's, she's amazing at giving gifts. Like no matter who you are, she meets you. If she let her talk to you for like a day, she's gonna come up with a fire <laughs> gift for you. That's how dope she. So, I'm like, all right, cool. So Father's Day finally rolls around. I wake up. You know, um, and she hands me a card and, you know, everything like that. And this card had a piece of paper in it. And the card says, hey, what does Steel Shop and Steel, uh, you know, this design, that design all have in common? And, you know, 
uh, she was just, you know, telling me how much she appreciates me and, you know, all of that stuff. And I read down and she was like, you know, usually, you know, people buy their husbands or their father's socks um, for Father's Day. Right. However, because that's another thing, too. I love socks. I, I actually tweeted this. I haven't worn a pair of white plain socks in almost like 10 years. Right. Like I have right now, I have some Mario socks on right now. Like I don't. Plain socks is trash. Like, get your swag on. You tell me, like, get you some fire socks from So Deep, by the way. But so anyway, she um she says instead of getting you a pair of socks like I usually do, I got you a sock company, y'all. When wow. I tell y'all the the tears started flowing <laughs> immediately. Like I was like, no way. You bought me a whole sock company. I mean, logo. Everything you feel me like I, I was blown away. It was literally the greatest gift I've ever received from somebody. That's why my wife is like literally the best person on earth. You feel me? <laughs> so that was so deep socks, and now so deep is going to be manufacturing. Like it started with just selling socks, but now we're going to be manufacturing. I'm about to buy a facility. I'm about to buy a farm to grow my own fabric. Like it's about to get wow. super duper lit. You feel me? Um, and that's just a sneak. I don't ever talk about what I'm going to do. Right, right. Just like I said, the practice what you preach, preach what you practice type thing. However, I, I'm feeling like home right now. We're talking about millionaire <laughs> mindsets. Like, yes, you got to, gotta, you know, I got to flex a little bit. <laughs> you, know, so, you know what I mean? So that's what we're doing. So that, that's, um, excuse me, that's how Soul Deep was born. It was a literal gift from the greatest wife on earth. And I took it and, and you know, I've been, I've been blowing up. People, I mean, people... Love shopping with me, you know what I'm saying? They love that I always bring high quality goods to the timeline, so it's never a question if you know Doe about to hit us with something just for a get rich quick scheme. They know I, I take pride and integrity in, in any physical product or any product that I sell, so they they rocking with me and they've been rocking with me, you know what I'm saying, ever since the lowland Doe days. Um, so it's pretty much a, a, a done deal after that. People signed up for the monthly subscriptions. As a matter of fact, 25% of all of our customers, and we get a lot of them, not to brag, but 25% of our customers are monthly subscribers to the, you know, so they get socks sent to them directly two pairs every month. Wow. You know what I'm saying? They just, okay. you know, they pay like that. So that's what Lowland though and so deep does, but y'all don't even know because I got to do better at promoting it. But our daughter, she has her own company too. That's so right. she's 15 and she sells cosmetics, uh, mainly right. um, lip gloss, but she's expanding as well to other cosmetic um, items. So, like, our entire house is just entrepreneurs, like, just getting to it. You feel me? Selling things online and we do it as a family, you know, and, and everybody has their own way of doing things for their business, you know? So, my daughter, she, you know, she takes her own product photos, she puts together her own products, my wife. She does all of the soap stuff. I'm just the salesman um, for for those guys, you know, for them and their businesses. I help promote it and stuff like that. And as far as so deep, you know, I'm, I'm running the show over here. So everybody has their own endeavor that they're building on. My wife, she's currently writing a novel. It's pretty dope. I've been able to get a little sneak previews of it. I can't wait to, you know, share it with the timeline. It's, it's super dope. Um, so that's where Lowland Doe and So Deep came from, man. Just a family of entrepreneurs. Um, you know, currently building generational wealth, man. That's fire, bro. That's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to be, man. That's cold, bro. Salute to you. For <laughs> that's, 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 that's aspirational. I'm going to tell her, too. I'm going to tell her, like, yo, 
you know, they, they say you cold. <laughs> Yeah, but that's they say you cold. If anything, it's the blueprint. Is that right yeah. there? That's like extremely aspirational for real, man. Especially knowing your background. That's why it's like that's that's that shows you that any anybody can do it, bro. Yeah, I tell men this. I tell men this all the time, yo. As soon as you get yourself together, man, find you one, son. Fair. That bachelor shit is cool. But it ain't as cool as this, my G. No, it's not, not, son. I wanted to, yo, son, I love being a husband so much, B. I love being a, yo, son, I, it's so fire, fam. And it's like, I see, you know, the, the, the rigmarole. Like, I seen why men didn't get into it. Because, you know, they marry women who don't respect them, son. Facts. And the reason why they don't respect them is because they not really worth respecting. Like, you're not doing nothing to impress your lady. You feel me? Like, yo, son, like, this is impressive to her. You feel me? Mm. Like, this is, I, I'm about to walk into the bedroom, like, yeah, just got off the Millionaire Mindset podcast. You feel me? You know what I'm saying? Like, just got interviewed. You feel me? Like, if you're not showing her nothing to be proud of or showing her nothing to respect, of course she's going to run all over you. And because you're so weak about it, you let mm. her do it. And that goes back to the whole doing things unchecked and stuff like that. Like, I've seen so many dudes who women know are soft. Get them into fights at the club, like, or get them in the fights at the spot. And it's like, you would think she was doing it to line him up, like, yo, like, you know, he can't scrap, but you just can't stop running off at the mouth. Right. Talking about my man this and my man that. Like, she trying to thrust you into masculine roles, and you over there, like, nah, fam, you know, it's all good. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that, that's the that's the, 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 you know, the messed up dichotomy that we're seeing in relationships. But man, once you get yourself together, Get your body right, get your mind right, get your mm. pockets right. And you, you first of all, you're not even going to entertain chicks that's undesirable. You're only going to be shooting for, you know, the top of the heat, Fresh. high quality, high value women. You're not going to want nobody that don't match you in your success. So you ain't even got to worry about that. You know what mm. I'm saying? That's why you don't really ne nearly hear as many uh, men complain about that as women do because men are not as nurturing. We're not like when you are in a space to where you got it like that, you're not going to even lessen yourself. Women, and that's no slight to them, you know, for real, but they they'll rather take on that project. They'll right. rather take on that, you know, okay, he got certain things here, he's missing this and all of that, as opposed to a man who's, he has like these set foundational standards that he won't cross because or won't let up on because he knows how hard he's worked to get to that point. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, with that, he's able to acquire higher uh, value women per capita as opposed to women who are a lot more loving, understanding, and nurturing in that sense to where they're not going to just throw the baby out with the bathwater just because he may be low on some cheese. He may be a little bit right. uh, not physically fit or he may not be the most educated. You feel me? Right. So with that, and I implore women to you know up their standards too and keep them there because like I said, the, the higher the standards, the better it is for the men too. Mm. So when you get yourself an order, man, you find you a, 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 an amazing woman that's going to hold you down. That's yeah. really about you, really about your family. Y'all come up with a life plan together and y'all get to it. I'm not saying that y'all got to run and open up a business, which is called marriage. You feel me? Right. Because that's what it is. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, um, I'm not saying you got to run and do that. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily hurt you. I know a lot of, there's a lot of argument on what, what is it, what it, what's in it for the man for marriage. I go on for days or what's in it for you. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you don't want to take that leap just yet, at least be solid enough to have a partner who you love 
who you want to take care of, who, who who loves you and wants to take care of you. And y'all take over the world, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's one of the foundational things is a wife, is a husband. Right. Like, that's, that's the key thing to wealth building. I understand that you could build wealth on your own. But, man, it's so much easier and so much better when you have a partner, for sure. That's 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 cold, man. Like I, I tell dudes that all the time, bro. So I'm glad I'm glad that someone else saying it now. Not to mention these high ass STD rates. <laughs> 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 you feel me? Hey, that's facts, bro. That's facts. And but but before we wrap up, I got one I got one last question. And it's like this kind of random and off topic, but I didn't have this in my notes forever. And I'm like, I just can't get off before I ask this because this is super interesting to me. And you you talked about this on Twitter. You were saying how you visited a town in Virginia, and I might be paraphrasing. I I had it. I only you know I had it in my phone. I only know what I did with it. You were saying how you visited you visited a town in Virginia, and it was like a a low uh like a low income white area. And you were saying how like during your conversations with them. They all had in their mind that like it was like I think you said it, it was like black people. What, I forgot what you were saying. Do you remember what I, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'll give you a little backstory, a background on what that is. So for the past like two, three years, I've been going door to door in um, these rural areas in America, mainly in Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland, um, Jersey. And that's pretty much it. So it's pretty much that that area. So these are these are the middle Americans or the you know the Americans that you know everybody calls racist, Trump supporters or whatever, mm-hmm. and all of that. And um, what I, what I noticed was that they they're pretty much two sides of the same coin. Economically, these groups are being treated the same um, as uh, poor black. People. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? And that's one thing that people have to understand about America. America really. Um, it, it does have oppressive uh, elements to it, for sure. And some of them are racial, but most of them are economic and they're class-based. So when we're seeing a bunch of uh, uh, rich white people uh, be used as the main representative of the white population, you have a lot of resentment coming from the black community. And then when you have uh, a bunch of uh, policies and, and legislation like welfare, like uh, you know, uh, uh, certain uh, things that are afforded to uh, minorities or whatever, because I don't, I don't really believe in them anyway. But from a white perspective, they're looked at as, oh, they're getting a leg up over us. Mm-hmm. So you have both these two poor groups being finessed by the same people and they're just being pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. Now, at the same time, you have rich uh, black people who are making much more money than them. And then you have... Um, poor white people, I mean, excuse me, have rich white people making more money than them. So they, they feel like they're the most attacked. You feel me? They, they feel like they're the most forgotten and all of that. And I sat and I talked with them and it's due to ignorance because they don't they don't really get a glimpse of what it's like in the hood. And if they do, they, they it's ironic, but they blame them. Like, oh, just pull yourself up by your bootstrap. Right. I'm like, Bubba, you are in a trailer park right now and it's not a good one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you could your community could be using group economics too. So here are the parallels between poor whites and poor blacks. Mm. When the factory jobs left the black community, that was like the main one of the main things that black American men could do. They could work for you know GM or Ford or you know these tire companies and all of these factories that were thriving in America. Like we were for the forefront of manufacturing for a very long time. 
You know what I'm saying? Once those jobs left, you had a bunch of men who were skilled, but those skills weren't applicable anymore in the economy. So you get into, you know, drowning your sorrows with liquor, you know, escaping reality with drugs and, you know, all of that. And you get low paying jobs and now your community's value was just lessening, lessening, lessening. Now, this is, you know, I, I like to keep it on track, but, you know, Malcolm X did tell the black man back then. Like, yo, you have no moral right to be blaming the white man if you're not opening up your own factories. You can't blame the white man for not hiring you when you, he said back then it was $20 billion, now it's purported to be $1.2 You feel me? So he said even back then the black man spends $20 billion a year. He has no moral obligation or no moral right to blame the white man for not employing him when he could be employing himself. So you fast forward that, you know what I'm saying, to whatever, you know, whatever era, you know, when they started outsourcing a lot of these factory jobs to China and stuff like that. So uh, we got a lot, a high level of black unemployment in the community. Where black unemployment comes a whole bunch of things. You feel me? You got people uh, divesting in the public school system. And um, you have a lot, you know, a lack of education now. You have people divesting in the real estate. So you have lack of shelter, a lack of housing. You have people just divesting all over because there are no people to work. There are no jobs there. So it's no reason for us to invest in this area. So you have a lot of developers leaving. You have a lot of uh, uh, teachers and people who are viable for that community leaving and going to other uh, more prosperous uh, areas. Same thing happened in the white the poor white areas where the coal mines and, and a lot of the factories going on in rural, rural America. Once those jobs happened, a bunch of men were out of work. They went to the bottle. They went to the drugs. And and, and um, it's the same thing. Low schools, low education, low jobs, like all of that stuff was happening. And I tell people like this, instead of, you know, in, in the hood, they, they, they smoke bud or smoke crack or whatever. They run for their sorrows in the trailer parks. It's meth. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's heroin. And stuff like that. Instead of buying, uh, you know, in the hood, it's, it's Chevys, Cadillacs, Benzes, da da da. In the trailer park, it's monster trucks, big four wheelers, and things of that nature. Instead of Red Bull and Henny in the hood, they drinking Monster and Jack. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the same things economically. Now culturally, there's going to be different things, but economically, America is very, very money driven, very, very money based. If you don't have money. You get treated a certain way. So your community is divested just like the black people. All the while, the elite, you know, the, you know, the politicians and all the people that are finessing your community telling you, hey, I'm Barack Obama and I'm speaking for you. Hey, I'm Donald Trump and I'm speaking for you. Y'all all being finessed by the same mm. system. And the, the, the way you keep the finesse up is you hating that other community. Now, this does not mean that I'm calling for a kumbaya moment. I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't think it's ever happened inside the race. The last, I don't think the last time that I've heard of black unity, and I'm talking about like from an entire, you know, nation to nation to nation, world peace type thing, it was thousands of years ago, like in the ancient Egyptian times and things of that nature. We have always been a combative you know, the group of people, not to say that, you know, 
uh, we always destroyed ourselves, but we we were never on this like huge one accord across the board. It's always been some type of tension, dissension. There's always been different cultures. There's always been different opinions. There's always been that. So I don't want people to think that I'm asking for everybody to join hands and you know change the world, even though that could you know it's it's good. It's not a bad right. thing. However, I'm just saying that instead of you focusing on the fact that oh white people this and white people that it's not it's not as black and white as you would like it to be because when you go to these poor white neighborhoods you'll see a lot that you'll see a lot more things that you have in common than you don't you see what i'm saying so it's an economic thing it's you know excuse me as far as like you know they talk about white privilege this this is another thing that happens when it comes to you know white privilege oh you know you'll see you know some instance of a white woman or a white boy uh getting off or getting special treatment from another white person. And I'm just like, yo, that's not something that they should be shamed for. It's something that we should be adopting. Mm-hmm. And it's not just white privilege. You feel me? Like other communities do this too. And this goes back to the way you look at the world, the way you frame things. You know, call, I, I don't call anybody a supremacist. I don't call anybody supreme over me ever. Mm, like right. nobody's supreme over me. You know, you call people white people colonizers as a, a pejorative when in the 1800s we already you know spoke on the fact that we were establishing towns in america what do you think that is that's colonizing you create a you know a colony you know for, for black Americans. so it's like we attribute these things to white people even though they're fundamental and foundational to create a viable nation to create a strong nation you have to colonize you see what i'm saying you have to be able to build infrastructure for your own community so it's not black and white it's really not it's green if mm. anything if any color it is it's green it's a class thing mm. they don't care what you know skin color you are for real when when it's all said and done does you know do white people look out for white other white people you know the do does white the uh excuse me do white people hire people that may not be qualified for the job because that's his nephew and you know nepotism mm-hmm. and all of that other stuff for sure but there is no rule in the book to say that we can't do the same thing. You think I'm not going to do that? You think right. I'm not going to give my godson a job or, you know, show him how to open up a business or make him an executive just because? Or you, you don't think I'm going to do, you know, give special treatment to my community when it when once I'm in that position of power? You be a fool if you think I'm going. I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm absolutely going to, you know, um, make it easier for my community to build wealth with me and all that other stuff. You feel me? Like there's nothing wrong with that. The type of privilege that people are, are arguing about, you can create that for yourself. Right. You don't have to sit there and be mad or try to take away somebody else's privilege. Just create your own. Mm. I do it all the time. My one-year-old godson, he's one year old. This boy has a custodial account that already has hundreds of dollars in it. And I've only been doing it in like $50 increments because I've been you know, working on other things. However... I'm about it by next year, by the end of next year, it'd be $2,000 a month going to his custodial account. Meaning by the time that he's 21 years old, he'll have like about $1.2, $1.3 million to his name because his godfather put the cheese to to the side. That's Mm. privilege. So when it comes down for his success story and he opens up a business and, and he, you know, he uh, makes it big and becomes a billionaire. What they gonna say? Oh, your godfather gave you a million dollars when you were twenty one. That, that they going they gonna take it away from him. Right. So what? So mm. what? He's privileged. So what? He grew up privileged. That's what we supposed to do. Right. If this whole hard knock life shit like that's that don't make no that doesn't make you. You know what I'm saying? No. You you're gonna have struggles no matter how rich you are. You're gonna have to deal with 
ups and downs, no matter what your economic status is. However, trying to make ends meet, trying to struggle to pay bills, that's no way to live. That's no way to live, son. You, you barely live. And that's why they say job stands for a uh, job stands for just over broke. Yeah. You feel me? Because that's what they, you know what I'm saying? That's what it is. Like we in the business of creating businesses. We are in the business of creating generational wealth. We are in the business of buying assets like niggas buy sneakers. Like that's what I splurge on, fam. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I don't begrudge anybody. I'm just in that stage right now. Like I'm not interested in buying nothing. I know yeah, that that happened too. I remember when uh, Hugo, he got somebody came at him for buying gold or something like that. And they were telling him like, you should have invested it or whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not mad at nobody splurging on their money. But for right now, because I'm dealing, I was coming from, being extra broke and all of that other stuff at 26 and I'm only 29 now, I go super hard with my asset accumulation. That's my main endeavor because when it's time for me to, you know, do my Miami trips, when it's time for me to, mm-hmm. you know, go hard and, and like get to go buy the protect and all that other stuff, I'm going to be able to do <laughs> it comfortably instead mm-hmm. of being like, I, I I spent 200 racks on this watch. Now I got to hustle to get it back. It's like, nah, I really, I have a fund or I have a bank account just for splurges. You feel that's me? Right. Like that's, that's the way I want. I set my um my finances up. You feel me? Man, that's mm-hmm. real. I'm so glad you touched on that, man. Cause I I definitely wanted you to touch on that. I've been I've been waiting to ask you about that, man. So I'm super excited. I got to ask you about that. And That was a real dope response, and I and I agree with everything you said. Cause they, like you, I always try to get people to understand. At the end of the day, what it comes down is to economics and control. If you don't get your money right, you don't have no control over your life in every realm. Where you live, what you eat. What schools you go to, you don't got any. You don't have any control over that if your money ain't right. But facts, you know, I tell niggas all the time, yo, you either own or you owe. That's it. Oh, mm-hmm. Man, that's what we gonna do. That's why you gonna name the episode right there. You just gave me the name for the episode. Yeah, I it <laughs> man, man, you making my job easier, bro. I man. <laughs> man, but 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 uh, before we wrap up, man, I just want to say, man, like on some real shit, bro. I definitely. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and chop it up with us. Like I said, I've been waiting on this episode for a minute. Like you doing some real dope shit, and a, and a lot of and like the your perspective on things is like super dope and super inspirational to me. And I like I, I just want that message to get spread out more because I I know a lot of people could, could could use it and a lot of people need it. So I just want to say we definitely appreciate you, bro. For real, for mm-hmm. real. Man, thank y'all, man. So that's the thing. Like you know, I was saying how you know some some of the uh, people may look at us like. You know, it's intimidating and all of that. Now, I'm not saying y'all intimidate me, but, right. like, when you invited me, G, I was like, yo, I'm about to be in the midst. I'm about to be among the elite. <laughs> no, man. Yo, your podcast, son, like, says things. So we all know about investing. We all know mm-hmm. about time horizons and all of that. We understand that, you know, we doing things right now for the greater good of tomorrow, son. I'm telling you, when it's, when it's time to look back at your catalog five years from now, you're going to be like, yo, he's a billionaire now. <laughs> he runs this now. Like, You'll be able to look back and be like, yo, I've really had this dude on here. Nice. Like, he's running this. Like, You know what I'm saying? Like, You yeah. have an a all-star roster, fam. Nice. Like, being invited <laughs> to your podcast and being a, amongst the people. Because I've been going back. Like, I started um, with the Hugo episode. Mm-hmm. And then I went back. I, I, I listened to... A few of them, but then I um I was in the gym because I, I had to switch from um joke like comedy podcast in the gym because I was busting out laughing and dudes was like <laughs> lifting weights thinking I was laughing at them because I got the headphones in. So now you know what I'm saying if like 
if I'm laughing, it's because y'all just said like one joke as opposed to like the whole podcast being funny. Right. And I was listening to the uh, Black Wealth Renaissance guys. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, yo, like they famous to me. You <laughs> feel me? Like, I see, I see their videos randomly. Yeah. Like it don't even be their page. You right. feel me? Like they, see they, they uh, you know, they logo at the bottom mm-hmm. of the other video or whatever. Like, and I'm like, yo, he got them on here. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I. I can't help. I can't but help feel like a fucking celebrity. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to flex super duper hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like my price just had. To, I think my, I gotta raise my price. <laughs> the you know what I'm saying? Like the price. I think I'm gonna put in my buyer as featured on the very <laughs> You know, you might have to do it. Man, I'm proud of you. Like I said, I know it sounded crazy when I first said it, but it's like I really I, I make it a point to say. That I'm proud of people when they do things that I appreciate and I admire. And I admire what you're doing, fam. I, I really do appreciate it. And uh, we need more people like you who are just in tune with, first of all, their own personal finances and their own personal trajectories as far as wealth building, but also connecting the dots by bringing other people in. Because not everybody's going to have the same answers. You know, everybody's going to have their own different way. Like one dude to be nothing but real estate. Another dude would be nothing but, you know, equities and stocks and stuff like that. And then you'll have another dude who's into bonds or whatever it is, or, you know, start investing in startups. That's what my man, Hotel Jesus, he's into. That's what he does. He just invests in startups. You know what I'm saying? So we have all of these different methods. So what happens is when I got some cheese, I invest in you. Right. And then you got some cheese, you invest in me. And now we got this network to where I don't have to do everything. Right. You feel me? Like I could just throw you 10 bands, have you work that, you throw me 10 bands, and I work that, and we come together in the middle. And this goes back to what I was saying about group economics. Like, when you look at, you know, um, these communities that, you know, people like to use, you know, the Jewish community, the Asian right. community, not every Jewish person is financially literate, but right. enough are to make sure that the community is okay. Not every Asian is a math whiz or you know super financially literate however the people that are they make sure that they create infrastructure and facilities that make it easy for them to buy into it so when you look at that um i hope i'm pronouncing it uh madua oh yeah madu madu yeah Mm -hmm. he has an investment club yep now you're gonna leave most of the legwork to him all you gotta do Mm -hmm. is buy in fifty dollars a month Mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying Things like that, you opening up banks in the community, like community-owned banks. I prefer credit unions because you know, you know, dividends from from the because you know you actually own a piece of the credit union as opposed to a bank where you're just a customer where you just open an account. Mm-hmm. So you, we have more grassroots or local c- credit unions. We'll have people who got regular nine to fives being able to invest. You feel me? Like you don't have to. You know, be, be the, the the jet setting Grant Cardone right. aspiring and you know real estate mogul. You don't have to just invest with the mogul. You see what I'm saying? Right. And that's the same thing I tell people when it comes to opening up your own business. If you're not built for that, you don't have to right. work for them. Become an affiliate for that company. Like it makes no sense that your homie got things for sale online and they got a, a, an affiliate program and you're not making free money. That's free money. Mm. All you got to do is drop your link every day. 
and be like, yo, check out these socks or check out these these soaps or whatever. Once they make a sale, you get a commission on that sale and you get to keep it. And you ain't have to put no money up front. You are literally helping run a business and you ain't have to put no money up. And you're getting cheese back. Mm-hmm. You know, I paid my affiliates, my highest affiliate, I paid them $500 for the month. I can, I can, you know what I'm saying? I'm helping my, my community or whatever, but they helping me grow mm-hmm. my business Fact. because the 500 is only 10% of what I make. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And I, I have no problem sharing that because Walmart is not giving you 10% of anything. Hell you know no. what I'm saying? Hell like no. you doing them eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours shifts as a cashier, you ringing up all of those items, millions of dollars of items. You're not getting 10% of that. You see what I'm saying? But you make me a hundred grand and I give you 10? Are you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, you, you, so it's like, that's the best that's part about it. Like working for grassroots will always give you the bigger bag. You feel mm-hmm. me? Think about how many people kick themselves when they, oh, I, I had the opportunity to invest in Microsoft. You know, Bill came to me directly. He only needed five <laughs> grand. Da, 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 da. Now that five grand could have been, you know, I one know. point, whatever, whatever, a hundred million dollars. You feel me? Million. Like don't, don't pass up on your generation, but Jeff Bezos. Don't pass yeah. up on your generation's Bill Gates because you didn't believe in it. You ain't see the vision. You feel me? Like, mm. diversify, man. Get in there. Take risks, man. I've lost money on investments already. Like, who does? Like, you got to pay your tuition. You got to take your L's. You feel me? Mm-hmm. But mm. at the end of the day, my wins outweigh my losses by my dollar. All of the other ones going to fall flat. Eight out of 10 startups fail. That's just what it is. So as an investor, 80% of that money that you put up is not going to be uh, what it is, but that twenty percent is what's gonna make you the best investor in the world. You feel me? Yeah. And that's all it is, man. Like you just gotta take those risks. That's what we doing. But take those risks now. It's gonna be harder to do it when you're forty, G. You take that risk at twenty five and bounce back before your thirtieth birthday. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I tell people all the time, man. Start young, man. Get it done now, so you can have the dope wiki page. <laughs> man, that's a real man. That's, man, bro, you, you dropped a, a whole lot of gems, bro. This is for, special. Episode. Yeah, 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 this is a special episode, man. For real, for real bro. I, I, man, I'm I, glad y'all rocking with it, man. I'm yeah, glad. I yeah, appreciate bro, y'all, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, we appreciate it too, man. You got our, you got our support. Whatever you need, bro, you can feel free to reach out to us whenever you need some, bro. We, 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 def, we definitely rocking with you. Oh yeah, I got plenty of information to hit you, dog. I need your phone number directly. Yeah. I, I got lots of things to talk, brother. Okay, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got some endeavors. I know, but I, there's there's some endeavors that I do want you involved in. I do want your opinion on. So we're gonna definitely chop it up off air, man. Like you know, let, let's let's make it happen. Let's let's forge this relationship. Definitely, definitely, bro. That, that's what I'm about, bro. So I'm gonna send, I'm gonna send you my uh, number as soon as we get offline. But before we let you go, uh, plug in all your stuff so people can find you, get, get merchandise, all that good stuff. All right, let me pull out my big scroll real quick. Okay. <laughs> All right, first and foremost, gumroad.com slash dudes. That's where you get access to Stop Being Poor, first and second edition. Those are the easy guides to money management and wealth building. If you're struggling with your finances, uh, you know, trying to figure out how you can get another income stream going, not, you never, you know, even heard it invest in and you don't know what it is. Um, get into that. Also, uh, in the second edition, we go into more in-depth things like asset protection, uh, income investing, group investing, things of that nature. So stop being poor. First and second edition on gumroad.com slash dodubes. Then once you get your cheese up, come shop with us at lolaando.com, L-O-L-A-A-N-D-D-O-E.com. 
is the premier provider of organic and all natural personal care goods from soaps, scrubs, oils, you name it. Uh, shop it with my daughter and her cosmetic brand, Nella Bella Collection uh, dot com. That's N E L L A B E L L A Collection um, dot com. Uh, for your lip gloss and all your cosmetic needs. I'm a grown man. I don't know what y'all into, but it's, it's for your face. It's all natural. It's not going to harm your skin whatsoever. And then, if you when, once you finish with them, you go get your sock game right yes, at soldeepsocks.com. That's S-O-L-E-D-E-E-P socks.com. Uh, the best socks you'll ever, ever, you know, purchase. And we're only going to expand bigger from here. Um, I'm the president of Hotep Nation, so please subscribe to HotepNation.com. You know, a lot of people have questions about it. We have an FAQ page where we answer all your frequently asked questions about like, what is Hotep? Do y'all hate black women? Do, you know, all of that. Stuff. Like, we get into, you know, we we handle all of that. Um, we don't, by the way. <laughs> um, what else? What else? What else? That's it, man. That's it. Uh, that's all I can think of, man. Just make sure you shop with me. You know, keep, keep you know, follow me at Go Dubs D O E D Double O B S D O E D O O B S on Twitter. I'm not on anything else because why else would I be? Um, <laughs> Twitter is my domain. You feel yeah, me? Yes, um, follow me on there. Um, if you have any questions, uh, please refrain from asking because <laughs> I'm playing. Uh, if you have any questions that are serious, if you're not about that, don't ask me nothing dumb. I got a bunch of stuff. That you can buy from me. It's a bunch of stuff on Google that you can search. But if there's something specific you want to know and you have a plan in motion and you just need some help, please feel free to DM me. My DMs are always open. Um, and thank you guys, man, for even having me. Thank you, bro. Appreciate, I appreciate you, 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 man. Send me an address, man. I'm going to send you some socks. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I was going to call. I'm, don't even, bro, I'm a cop from you, bro. I'm going to be a customer, bro. Don't, don't. I don't even. All right, yeah, I got you, sure. bro. I got you, but yeah, that, that's all we got, bro. I definitely appreciate it, and I'm gonna uh, send you my number so we could ch- definitely chop a little more, bro. Yo, for sure. I just think that we've been on here for two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how I be. Good conversation, man. That's a, that's how I be. Time fly by. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll, I'll be good enough if they request me or something to come back, man. We got plenty. I got plenty more. I got mad more bars. So oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to let you know now. We definitely going to do it again. I already know this. this, <laughs> this I'm going to let you know right now, all right? Because we got we got a million other things we could have talked about, but we already been on for two hours. So, I'm like, we're going to have to do Yeah, this. exactly. Yeah, we don't, wanna, we don't exhaust the people. Like, <laughs> right. Right, right. Like, I'm about to listen to this episode all over again like it wasn't me when I go to the gym. Facts, <laughs> facts, facts, facts. Like, oh, this nigga dumb snap. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, y'all, bitch. Thank you again. All right, bro. Appreciate you. Have a good Thank day. Thank you. All right, one. All right. Well, that was another episode of Men That Mindsets Podcast with Doe Dudes. Like he said, he gave out all his information. Whether you want to shop, follow him on uh, social media, all that good stuff. And uh, before we wrap up, for those who don't know, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Xavier C. Miller. Uh, Deanna, what's your info? And you can find me on Twitter at Deanna S. Kent. Instagram is Deanna Kent. And again, if you want to learn more about real estate investing, you could book a consultation with us at www.parkhillsandsaltandservices.com. And that's all we got this episode. Appreciate y'all for listening. See y'all next episode. Peace. On the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next when I'm on the way. You ain't take risks cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. Oh, a lot of shit on the way. On the way.